What's up, everybody? It's Kairosis here from the reunion of Final Fantasy VII Remake Podcast. This is our ninth episode, and joining me today, I have, of course, my amazing co-host, Viz. How are you doing, Viz? I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm really good. I'm a little tired. Um, you know, after the daylight savings time change happened, so I lost an hour of sleep. So I've been trying to adjust to that. And then um, I guess yesterday we had a miscommunication because we were supposed to record uh, yesterday and we're recording a day late because um, apparently in Switzerland, you guys observe the daylight savings time a little bit later than us. So... <laughs> Anyway, it's super interesting, right? Because you're always learning new things. And I, I didn't know that about uh, Switzerland, about Europe. So super interesting. I just want to take a second to shout out to everybody that listened and subscribed so far to the podcast. Um, the feedback's been extremely positive. We both super appreciate you guys taking the time out to actually listen and spread the word about the podcast. Just want to remind everybody about an amazing giveaway that we are doing. We are giving away a physical deluxe edition of the game. So in order to enter for the giveaway, what you have to do is you have to subscribe to us on any of the podcast platforms that you use to listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star rating, and write us a text review. For our first segment today, we are going to be talking about the recently released demo that was released on Monday, March 2nd. Uh, We'll be basically breaking down the demo and giving our thoughts on the gameplay elements, the design, and more about the demo. Also, we will be discussing our gripes about the demo. Uh, We also got a bunch of articles that were posted featuring interviews uh, by Kataze and Nomura. Our second segment, I'll be sharing my experiences uh, from the KuboCon Final Fantasy VII Remake launch party event that happened in Toronto last weekend. And I'll also be talking about my experience at the Final Fantasy VII uh, Distant Worlds performance that I just went to in Montreal uh, this past Saturday, which was also my birthday. So I'm super stoked about that. That's nice. Nice birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of a better way to spend my birthday, honestly. Just being surrounded by so many amazing people uh, that are part of the Final Fantasy VII community and just um, experiencing the music in like live in in front of me. It was just so incredible. Yeah, I bet. All right. So we are recapping everything that we got uh, in the demo. So basically, uh, PAX East uh, happened last weekend, and there were rumors that at the end of PAX East that we will be getting the demo the following week. So I just want to shout out to Soldier First Class for putting out a video with uh, more details. So basically what happened was at the end, he was just explaining that, you know, rumor has it that everybody's NDAs were expiring and that we were going to be getting uh, possibly the demo and more information, I guess, about the game and details about members of the press that played the demo and their thoughts on, on the demo. So it seems like it's the same demo that we've seen at all the gaming conventions that happened this past year. At the beginning, we are shown the intro, like the opening movie, but it's minus the details, uh, the extra details before Aerith that we talked about on the last episode. So after the zoom in to Cloud on the train, the first bombing mission starts, the camera swings around and we get the, it, it turns into the gameplay seamlessly, which is amazing. We are given a progressive tutorial about the game controls. The environments look good. Lots of high resolution textures. Uh, some of the stuff that you see in the demo, it looks like it, it has less textures, like the broken parts of the pipes and different parts of the environment. But everything that I could see, you know, the environments look pretty high def and I'm pretty happy with the environment. 
Combat seems really fluid. It's a great combination of action and turn-based with the traditional ATB bar that we know and love so much uh, from the original Final Fantasy VII. The demo didn't have a jump button, uh, but I know, like, I had known about this before because obviously we are both up to date on everything about the game, so I, I wasn't expecting to be able to jump when I was playing through the demo. Yeah, same here. So basically we're following Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge through the first bombing mission of reactor number one. So they fight their way into the reactor where there's an epic uh, boss battle with the Scorpion Sentinel uh, right after they place the bomb. And it's pretty interesting because you can actually choose between 20 minutes or 30 minutes for the timer, basically at the end when um, you've defeated the uh, Scorpion Sentinel boss, you like are given that amount of time to try to escape, I guess, from the reactor. And the timer starts after you destroy the Scorpion boss and the group escapes the reactor, but we're shown a little scene actually, which shows Shinra actually finishing off the reactor um, after the bomb goes off themselves, which wasn't strong enough to actually destroy the whole reactor, uh, let alone the pump. So for some reason, it was super controversial to some people who were stating basically that this part isn't in the original. We're going to be talking a little bit about that um, after. But it was heavily implied that this is basically what happened uh, in the original. I like that it showed us that and brought us more clarification on the issue, basically, because it was kind of hinted at in, in the original. But now I like that it's more clear because there's, we, we definitely know that this is the way that you know, they intended it to be, basically. And of course, Shinra would do this. They're trying to use Avalanche as an example, uh, a scare tactic, I guess, to gain the trust of, of the people, right? Yep. Additionally, this could also be an excuse to shut down the reactors to prolong the Mako drainage until they find the Promised Land and build the uh, Neo Megar. So even they know that there isn't much Mako left in the area. So that's why they don't hesitate to blow up the reactors. You know, two birds with one stone. Longer operation, uh, blame on Avalanche to look like the victim and eventually the hero after apprehending or disposing of Avalanche. So this is Shinra's thoughts. Yep. So what are our thoughts uh, about the demo? So my gripes with the demo, I didn't actually have too many gripes with the demo. Honestly, I just found that the lock-on system was a little wonky and the camera would kind of spin around and turn to a weird angle. So I would kind of lose track on like the enemy that I was supposed to be attacking, like because they would be like off camera. I'm hoping that the camera is going to be more refined in the retail version as this was a demo based on an older build of the game. And this demo has been around for a while. Like they've been showing this, you know, at all the gaming conventions for 2019. So, and we're 2020 now. So I just, I, I really hope that it's more refined. Short correction here. Uh, the demo that was shown on show floors uh, to the public uh, was a short one that started in the reactor core, but the press had access to this longer version. And also the influencers like three or four weeks ago had been able to play this. Right. So yeah, it's uh it's a longer version, but as, as I've heard, this is a build from November last year. Oh, I think. okay. This one we get we got now, so it's still quite new, but still uh, in terms of optimization, pretty mm -hmm. old. Yeah. So another kind of issue that I have was just the attack animation for Cloud when he attacks like the Shinra boxes that are just around the environment. Um, it kind of takes a little bit of extra time for him to put away the buster sword i guess when he's done attacking and it's the same animation over and over again so 
somebody on our Discord as well had said, you know, oh, well, that's being really picky. And yeah, it, it is being really picky because <laughs> I'm expecting this game to be amazing. And little things like this, like obviously I also like that's that's our job, right? Like, I mean, you're you're doing the, the analysis videos and you're looking at mm-hmm. every little detail, you're freeze framing things. And I'm also trying to kind of, you know, put a microscope on all of the stuff so we can really dissect it and, and uh, talk about it. Um, to the best of our ability basically on the podcast right so things like that like to me like if the game's going to be 60 hours like let's say 40 to 60 hours if that's the same attack animation i'm just going to get bored looking at it like i'm not going to want to destroy those boxes even though i will and i'll do it it's just a little it's just a little thing it's just a little thing like it's just yeah anyway and my last thing was attacking enemies in close quarters is a little tedious. The camera kind of goes a little crazy. I think it could be a little smoother, smoother, sorry. And I think that it needs to zoom out a little bit more. Like, it's kind of like it's being blocked by the environment. Like, the railing, you know, on the mm. platforms, basically, when you're trying to, like, descend into the reactor, you have some of the enemies that are flying and the camera just automatically goes down and then it's kind of like being blocked a little bit by the railing, but the railing does disappear and it kind of pops out a little bit, but I don't know. I just, it was just, for me, it was a little, a little wonky and disorienting at times. So yeah, not as smooth as it should be. I had the same problem uh, in the first battle with Barrett when, Mm -hmm. when he joined the camera just wouldn't go up as much as I wanted to, and this uh, confused the hell out of me, so I had a little bit of problems there and took mm-hmm. some damage until I finally just said, well, screw it, and then just attacked without really looking at what I was <laughs> shooting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this uh, I had had the same problems. The camera at uh, in, um, in in heights, targeting enemies in, in heights is not as refined yet. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the main thing. Also, regarding uh, destroying the boxes, I don't really care that it's always the same animation, but it takes so long that he yeah. put, uh, for him to put the sword away. So when, he, when you destroy Shinner boxes right next to a box, you have to wait like two or three seconds until you can finally open the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially notice that in the, the last battle, normal battle for the Scorpion Sentinel against the four mono drives, because yeah. they're um, just around... Uh, the boxes and uh, mm-hmm. a chest with an ether, I think. Yeah, this was was annoying there. Maybe they fixed this. I hope so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, furthermore, changing uh, walking animations or walking directions with clouds kind of mm-hmm. still feel like a slog, like in Final Fantasy fifteen. Not as bad. It's still... For normal use, it's good, but if when you want to, for example, kick the boxes around for fun, it's, uh, it's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so more precise, um, precise control of cloud when you're just walking around and changing directions would be preferable. But it's not. Yeah. It's also a small gripe. It's not that bad. And in the in the fights, it's really smooth. I didn't notice anything bad in the fights. It's just in uh, field traversal. What I also found, found quite weird is that Cure is way too weak. It costs mm-hmm. 5 MP, but ha- heals less than a potion, around 300 instead of 350. So I used it once and then thought, nah, never again. I'd rather use this, the, this MP for Barrett's Thunder mm-hmm. spell, and uh, so that I don't have to consume as much MP and use an extra ATP bar for an ether. Yeah, exactly. So this is 
weird, but it could also be that um, Cure is heavily dependent on the magic stat of the character, and Barrett has a pretty low magic stat. Mm -hmm. So when you're finally free to distribute the uh, materia, you're probably better off equipping Restore or the Cure materia to Cloud or mm -hmm. Aerith uh, as soon as she joins yeah. to get the most out of it. Barrett is clearly not the healer here. Yeah. But for the sake of the demo, I think it makes sense that uh, Barrett has Cure so that you can you kind of are um, incentivized to switch between the characters, which is pretty neat, I think. Still, it should have been it should have healed like four hundred or even five hundred, mm -hmm. but that would probably be may maybe making the uh, fight too easy because that's al almost half of the HP healed with one heal. So I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I just want to jump in here. So yep. I realized, like, I didn't even realize that he had, uh, Barrett had Cure, like, as a spell, because I was actually using potions instead of, I just assumed because he doesn't have it in the original, right? So I... That's true, yeah. So I didn't even know until, because I was using so many different commands in the menus and everything, I was just using potions. <laughs> I didn't even know, and then I saw it, but I, di I did use it a few times, but... Yeah, I just found like it wasn't as effective. Yeah. Strategic. Yeah, like yeah, like effective because you're using an ATB plus you're using MP. Exactly. Right? And then you also have to use MP if you want to use Thunder. Mm -hmm. Which is the the like the Scorpion Sentinel is actually like like it's effective against it. So you want to save the MP for Barrett to use it against them, right? In the in the boss battles. So Exactly. It's it's a really good tool to to pressure the Scorpion Sentinel to then uh, increase the stagger far more efficiently and stagger him pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. thunder is key, and fire of course too. But yeah, yeah. So next is the elevator. It's the elevator itself is okay, but it looks way too plain when you compare it to the original. Uh, right. Very interesting or a strange design, but it was pretty cool and uh, stood out. This one here is, I don't know. It's hard to to say why they did this. Did yeah. This maybe to give more emphasis on the characters, so that they stand, oh, stand out more. Yeah, probably. But yeah, and also something right before the elevator. If you remember, uh, there was a uh, kind of a side path in the control room to the right, yeah. just before the elevator in the original game, with a phoenix down inside the chest. But this whole room is completely gone. And the chest yeah. is just there sitting next to the it's elevator. It's just sitting there, yeah. Yeah, which is good. Still, still a phoenix down, a callback to the original. Mm -hmm. But this whole room is, is missing, probably because it doesn't serve any use and just detracts from the mission. Yeah. But, yeah, I kind of find it a little bit of a shame, but I can't live with, can't live with that. It's, it's kind of the same bad. thing with the soldier uh, units at the beginning, too, because in the original, like, you attack them... Or they get attacked, sorry, and then they're just like KO'd on the ground and you can yep. loot their bodies, but now they just disappear into Mako. So, and you automatically pick up the items, I guess. So people yes. were kind of complaining and they're like, it should be where you can loot the body and get it, you know? Yeah. Some enemies uh, leave, maybe potion or something. For example, the guard dog, I think, yeah. left something behind. But uh, the first two guards that you actually kill with Cloud, they dissipate into livestream. But the one um, KO'd by Jesse, the one that that one's still laying on the ground, but right. you can't loot him. So, but at least the first 
a chest you can loot in the, the building itself has those two potions. So at oh, least okay. something has been preserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And I've also seen a few instances of, instances of bad lighting, mm -hmm. especially uh, some uh, in, in the in this in the clouds face in certain angles. But it okay. wasn't too bad. Just in certain instances, it looked weird. And depending on the the distance and the uh, angle of of the camera. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the hair also had some weird noise in it no, okay. in the rendering. Also, the shadow rendering uh, is sometimes also a little bit noisy, but this doesn't stand out as much. But this is really, really nitpicky mm -hmm. <laughs> on a really high level. So yeah, are you playing on a PS4 Pro or yes? Pro. Yeah, I never had those issues when I played it. Uh, like, and I know that people were talking about the hair and how mm. there's like. Alicing, I guess, like around the hair and stuff, Sometimes, which yeah. which is just to be expected. But I didn't notice it, and I played on played it on a huge TV. But also, my I have my TV calibrated as well, so like I don't have any of the sharpness on my TV turned up. Like the sharpness is at oh, zero. Yeah, yeah, so if you turn the sharpness up, like it mm -hmm. makes it look more evident. Which is like people were complaining Definitely. about that as well on the show floors at the game yes, conventions. Yes, but those TVs probably are not calibrated nope. properly, so they're just not even seeing the game in like the best way that it can even look. Because the whole idea is like any added like extra things that your TV does can just take away picture yep. quality it's different if you're watching a movie or a tv show right but if you're playing a game like you don't want to add all of those nope. extra things so i was actually blown away with how good it looked like but i wasn't sitting close to my tv either like i was sitting back probably a few feet probably six feet from my tv but i have a big tv so i don't want to be really that close to it and the problem uh with my playthrough was well it's not really a problem but uh I'm used to also sitting in front of a TV uh, a few meters away, 4K mm -hmm. uh, 65 inch it yes, is. that's what I have but too. But for the recording, I had to switch to my PC oh, monitor, okay. also 4K HDR, but I'm like 50 yeah. centimeters away. Yes. This is, which this is like 10 inches, no, 20 yes. inches or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's probably also not quite uh, ideally calibrated for games. So I, yeah. it stood out more to me. Because mm -hmm. I don't think I remember seeing those problems on the TV, and the mm -hmm. TV is calibrated. Yeah, but it's definitely just a matter of uh, settings. And people too, though, that are also complaining about this stuff, right? Like a lot of people probably don't even understand. Like you, you really should calibrate your TV. Yes, you know, like you really definitely. should. And if you haven't done it, some people don't though. Some people don't because they don't understand the settings. They don't want to, and that's totally fine. But like you're just not getting the best experience that you can have with the picture, you know. So mm. it's up to the person. But yeah, I, I don't fault the game for the for no. some of this stuff, you know. Like I, it I, looks great. Yeah. Other than that, too. All right, and my last gripe was about the tutorials. While the tutorials itself weren't that bad, uh, I hated how they sometimes just popped up without you wanting them to or with uh, just within the action, especially when they were explained the Punisher mode. Um, the battle started and they explained, oh, there's Punisher mode, press triangle to activate it. Okay, I do this, press triangle, pop, another tutorial popped up. So, seriously, let me play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this in some instances it was pretty aggravating, and I hope we can completely shut them off in the final build yeah. because in the demo you couldn't shut them off. Probably 
to force the players to actually read them and not turn them off and then give a bad review because I didn't know how to play. Yeah. As some journalists still did. I don't know yeah, how, they did. why, yeah, but... I uh, know. Let's just uh, keep this one off, off our plates because we'll be complaining for half an hour about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with you with the tutorials, but... Also, like, we're, we are up to date on the game, right? So we're watching, like, I, I know what the UI looks like and what the controls are and stuff. So, like, I already knew that Cloud has Operator Mode and Punisher Mode and you have to press Triangle to switch between the two and Punisher has more, like, he's slower. And, I like, I already knew all that, so I didn't need the tutorial, just like you, right? So, but we yeah, couldn't turn so. it off. So it was annoying, especially, too, like, I played it five times, so... By the end, I was just like, okay, like I, I just, it was annoying that you couldn't turn it off. But I'm sure in the game, we'll, we'll probably have the option in the menu to be able to turn it off. I hope yeah, anyway. I so. And if not, they can always add that later, you know, yeah, as, sure. as a patch. It also takes uh, way too long to dismiss them when they pop up. It takes like one or two seconds until you can actually dismiss them. I don't mm -hmm. know why. Yeah. And it's interesting how the pause menu, you can also skip. Uh, cutscenes in the pause menu during mm -hmm. cutscenes and yeah. it's extremely responsive you can press options and then immediately act, uh, immediately down and x and before mm. it even appears you can skip it it's especially apparent in uh, speed runs it's very smooth okay. but the, the tutorials it at least one second until you can dismiss them after yeah. they display and this is uh, i don't know why <laughs> Again, this is extremely nitpicky, and the game is still great, so let's keep yeah, going. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It really is. So yeah. on that note, we are going to be talking about our positive takeaways from playing the demo. So I just want to say that I loved this demo. I loved the experience, the gameplay. I think that they're hitting such a good balance of the original ATB uh, system and bringing it and like to the new era and like updating it and allowing you to move around the environment and actually just do basic attacks but also the basic attacks are not just basic attacks they actually do combos now like in the original there were no combos you you just pressed attack and jumped forward and sliced the enemy like slashed it with your buster sword and then you just jump back right like it wasn't and that took an atb bar like at least now it doesn't and i can focus on giving commands to everybody and choosing the way that i want to approach the enemy and kind of choose what i how i want to approach attacking basically and i love that um about the demo so when it came out as well, like I, I had just woken up, okay, so like to go to get ready to go to work and everybody was like freaking out about it online. So I didn't get to play it until I got home like in the evening and I had already read stuff online. So people like the, the, the general consensus was that people really uh, enjoyed it. And obviously there were some, you know, people online just talking about their concerns with it and everything like that as well. But uh yeah, no, I just, I thought it was really, really good. And I thought that the environments were really beautiful. I think the lighting is insane. Like it's oh, it insane. <laughs> it's insane. Like it, I just, it, I mean, it's like pretty much ray tracing. Like it's just pretty much like what it is, you know, it isn't, mm -hmm. but it's just looks so it's good. Pretty close. Pretty close. You know, like the voice acting was really great. I liked Barrett's voiceover work like i i actually liked it I, I i people said it was over the top and yes but 
that's what this game that's is. The point. <laughs> this is this game. This is what this game is. It's campy. It's over the top. I liked it. Like I, I thought it was great, and it brought a good balance because Cloud barely talks, and he's quiet mm. in the beginning, and he's more inside of his mind because he's having these flashbacks, and but he's not reacting to Barrett, so Barrett's just I think getting more pissed and more pissed like yep. as time goes on because he like wants him to like wake up and be like take him seriously, right? And mm. Jesse's kind of like stuck between the two like uh, (laughs) like i don't really know uh what to say like you know so and also barrett like as a character like everything that barrett's been through and then obviously in the original you know what happens we've talked about this before the flashback at corral and everything that happened with him in his life up to this point right like there's no playing around like he's like you know this is the mission like the planet is dying like Mm -hmm. and i think that he's so intense because he's just really concerned and trying to get that message across but it is a lot for you to take in it's kind of like oh my god like there's no easing into it but that's the way that i thought of him as a character when i played the original game like he was just kind of in your face and it didn't even have voice acting but in my mind like this is how i pictured it in my mind so i'm happy with it you know, I think yeah, that I, I understand where people are coming from, but it's a JRPG and, you know, I watch a lot of anime, like <laughs> I'm okay with it. I, I really appreciated it. I thought it was really well done. So yeah, it's very anime, not extremely, but it still has uh, its roots in anime, especially Cloud's Chump. Like I am here for it. Like I, yep, that's what same. I want. I want that weird campiness. I want that. I, I I know what I'm getting myself into because it's a JRPG and it's Final Fantasy VII. Like, yeah. this is what I've wanted. I don't even have anything else that I want to play right now. I literally have just been playing like Dota and stuff just to like pass the time, not because I'm like enjoying it. It's just because I just want to play <laughs> oh this game right now. Like that's what I yeah. want, you know? Anyway, I love being able to change party members and issue them commands. I talked about that. I really like the system. It reminds me of 13, mishmash with 12, a little bit of 14. I just thought it was awesome. And I love the stagger system from 13. They mixed it in here. I really like it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. So um, what, what did you think? Ah, uh, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit overwhelming. It's with all those those uh, parts, so I um I wrote down all the points. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, and I'll go through everything because that's me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I'll try to get through at a steady pace and not get sidetracked too much because mm-hmm. we won't have this podcast <laughs> to reach three hours. <laughs> All right. The last so one we did in. was like two and a half yeah. hours, yeah, and it's <laughs> we're just gonna do. All right, guys, here you go. It's what you wanted. Three hours. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's start. Okay, so first, the exploration feels very rewarding. I think uh, there are Shinra crates which you can uh, destroy and gain some random rewards mm-hmm. with uh, potions and MP, and sometimes a Moogle medal, which you'll probably use for. Uh, trading in for mm-hmm. better gear or material or whatever yeah. i think uh there are, there are chests off the beaten path of course how it's how it is in every jrpg so yeah. you are kind of um encouraged to explore 
And this one is really something that ah, feel, fills my soul with joy. The object <laughs> physics is awesome. It's like you can run through a, a pile of boxes and they just poof, spray all <laughs> over the place. It's so satisfying. It's great. I love it. And, and when you slice your sword through it, everything just sprays into uh, all the directions and sometimes even uh, falls back onto Cloud's head and it's 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 pure fantasticness. I don't know. It's uh, I just yeah. I wonder it. what those boxes are made out of. Hey, <laughs> yeah. People said the Chinders should store their valuables and uh, weapons inside in of the cardboard there. boxes. Yeah, they're indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was fun. And yeah, you can actually uh, kick or slice them off uh, ledges. You can mm-hmm. uh, ar- arrange them in you. And one time. One of them even landed on an edge and just stayed there. It's physically impossible, but it happened. <laughs> it's it's so weird. It's, it's really weird and fun to play around with the physics. And if you watch my playthrough of it, I'll I'm really having a field day with those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same here. I was just slashing everything. Actually, yeah. <laughs> when I first started up the demo, I just went around slashing things just to see what would happen. Yeah. Like, what can I slash? Like, what can I destroy? <laughs> like, can I? Can I break this game, you know? Like yeah. what happens if I slash the train? Like <laughs> <laughs> and Barrett. Exactly. Yeah. But like the first 15 minutes minutes of my playthrough was like just running around slashing uh, things and kicking around pylons and trying to play with Barrett, but he didn't want to and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> okay, so next is the combat and I really really like it. It's smooth and tactical at the same time, so no mindless hack and slash. Um I like it. It's everything you execute. It's instant. It's not just not not. Um, it doesn't feel uh, sloggy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a hack and slash component, but it's this is only used for ATB buildup, which then uh, allows you to actually use the good stuff, the, the abilities, the the magic, the summons, what have you, and. What I also find cool is blocking additionally increases ATB. So if you block, it's not for nothing. Yeah. You actually build it up a little bit more. And it also really matters what you use and when you use it. So in terms of the pressure and uh, uh, the, the focus bar, which has a pressure stage, which mm-hmm. increases uh, stagger gain or focus gauge gain to stagger the opponent much uh, faster. So you you're um, incentivized to exploit the enemy's weaknesses, to uh, put them in a pressure stage, then use focus thrust, focus uh, shot to almost immediately stagger the enemy, and then just uh, throw all your your strongest attacks against them. It's pretty yeah. cool. Also, um, staggering an enemy increases the limit by almost 30% in cloud, wow. as I've analyzed in one of uh, the, the footages. It's pretty great so uh if you don't get hit a lot mm-hmm. but you stagger a lot the enemy a lot so you play good you can still execute limit breaks eventually yeah which i really like and for those who are familiar with uh, action games you can cancel out of many of the attacks not everyone some uh fincher attacks are uncancelable yeah but that's that's how uh, the smoothness uh, is generated. You can uh, immediately cancel out of everything. You can press hold or hold the block button and still dodge out of the way without yeah. uh, letting loose of the block and then immediately block again after the, the roll is finished. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. 
So I just wanted to say one thing I noticed mm-hmm. when I was playing as well. So during the boss fight, the Scorpion Sentinel, so I was uh, attacking it and I had queued up, like, I think to use fire or thunder or something like that, but it was on the roof and it shot down the missiles or m- missiles or missiles, whatever you want to call them. Both, so I yep. was, <laughs> yeah. So I was shooting. Um, I mean, I was using, I use like magic, but like I actually got hit like during the animation of trying to cast fire mm-hmm. and, but it did, it didn't, it didn't go like it just, yet. it just cancels it and you don't get your ATV back. Yes, that's true. So I couldn't remember if it was like that in the original as well. I can't mm, remember. I don't no, think so. No, nothing. So that that was kind of yeah. annoying to me. I thought that after I got attacked, it would try recasting it again. But I guess it's too awkward to kind of do that because then you would yeah. not be able to control your character like again. So yes. I was kind of disappointed because I was like, oh my gosh, oops. Like yeah. now my ATB is all gone and I have to wait. Mm to gain it back to attack again. But I, I think it takes the MP away, though, I think, because yes. I've already used it to cast yes. it. So You spend it at the very first frame, and then the cast animation starts. Yeah. And in this uh, this um, time frame, you can get can- uh, cancelled or interrupted by the enemy. But but the same happens uh, the other way around. So when the, the enemy oh, okay. starts an attack, you can also um, interrupt the oh, enemy, okay. which is pretty cool. So in this speedrun I've watched, uh, the guy keeps uh, interrupting the attacks from the Scorpion Sentinel, especially okay. the EMP field, which is very annoying. <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool actually, and it also makes you more conscious of when you, you when you cast what. So uh, you can't just spam no exactly. magic when yeah. you're uh, in front of the, of the enemy and the enemy starts uh, attacking you. So you really need to either interrupt the enemy, dodge off the, out of the way, block, yeah, or yeah. otherwise get into safe distance to cast magic, which I find pretty interesting from a tactical standpoint. It's not too cheap. Yeah, I agree with you. I should probably be blocking or yep. dodging like at that point, but it was just like the change because you can't like you're trying to figure out like when he's going to jump onto the wall, you know. Mm. But I had already like. It shows kind of like a mini cutscene, like almost like in the middle of the battle, like it jumps out of and then it jumps to the side. Right. But I had yes. already casted it like yeah, right before that happened. So yeah. then I ended up getting hit and it canceled my fire. But it's fine. It was just that I was kind of like, oh, and then I was like, oh, gosh, like I have to make sure that I mm-hmm. am reading the attacks better so that I can adjust my playstyle so that I'm not wasting my mp by getting hit right like definitely yeah yeah it's um it's it's kind of tricky it's not just uh, an easy battle system you can uh, cheat your way through at mm-hmm. least and uh, not with uh, the more sophisticated enemies like the sweeper or the uh, scorpion sentinel mm-hmm. that's probably why this one journalist uh, didn't really know how to beat the boss because it probably just uh, spammed square attacks and didn't really yeah. do much else. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, a lot of people skipped the tutorial. Like they didn't read it. Like they're that just too, like, yeah. go away, go away. And then somebody was complaining too. They were like, oh well, I kept dying because I didn't have enough potions. I only had like four yeah. potions or something. And I'm like, what do you mean? When I went to the boss battle, okay, I had 28 potions or something. Yeah. Did you not have 28 <laughs> potions? Like I had 28 potions and I had like six ethers. Yeah. Okay. Like. I don't know what you were doing, but explore. Like, 
smash the Shinra boxes. But yeah. if you don't, if you skip the tutorial and you don't read it or you don't care, then that's of course problem. you're going to die. Like, of course you're yeah. going to die. That's not the fault of the game. Like, the game... Nope. Okay, like, come on. This game is not Dark Souls. <laughs> like, this game is not Bloodborne. Okay? Like, it's not as hard as those games. Like, it's, no, it's very accessible. <laughs> like, it's very accessible. But it's still a challenge so that people who master the battle system feel like their hard work of understanding yes, it and working exactly. with it pays off. But it's also mm. not so punishing to the point where if somebody's new coming into this game that they're not going to want to learn it or they're just going to quit and never pick it up again. Like, anyway. Also, that's what easy mode is for or the classic mode. Yeah, For exactly. those who aren't uh, well-versed in uh, action-oriented battle systems. So mm -hmm. there's uh, an option for everyone. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of uh, newcomers and pros, there are a few pro tips I picked up from people in our Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, when you use punisher mode and block and you get attacked uh, with a physical melee attack, a cloud automatically counters with a sweeping uh, strike. Oh. But if, you, if this happens right when you switch to punisher mode, so you get hit and you switch to punisher mode at the exact same time, cloud also does this counterattack without you first having to block, which is pretty cool. So we don't have to first uh, switch modes, then block, and then counter. So we can just do everything with one button press. So I'm in operator mode, and I yes. see that an enemy is going to attack me, yes. like a melee attack. Mm -hmm. I just press triangle, and then yes. it's going to counter. Exactly, yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Like, if I'm blocking in operator mode, I can still switch to punisher mode and do the same thing. I think so, yeah. It, you have to just be in punisher mode and block. You don't have to block at, a, at the right time. Just have to hold block and wait for a melee attack to happen for counterattack to initiate. But you don't need to first switch to punisher mode and then block. You can switch to punisher mode immediately when the melee attack happens to achieve the same result. Okay. Yes. Cool. And the next tip, uh, which I find really really cool is um, you know how you can use overcharge for Barrett mm -hmm. a pretty nice attack and then you have to wait until it's charged up during a charge up you can press triangle to speed up the charge but then Barrett is stuck in this charge up animation but if you uh, use focus shot or uh, his combo finisher when you press triangle during this uh, those animations uh, you kind of skip the charging animations because uh, the charge happens during the focus shot or the combo finisher animation. So you avoid additional animation uh, waiting time, which is pretty cool too. Okay, so when you're charging, like after you've used his triangle ability? Yes, then you, you are in charge mode. And then when you press triangle, you can uh, speed up the charge, like yes. where it performs an animation, then the, yes. the charge goes up a little. But when you press triangle to charge up uh, during the focus shot animation or his finisher, attack animation then it's uh it doesn't use up barrett's usual charging animation it kind of uh, melts both together so we oh. don't lose additional time by uh, waiting for the charging animation to finish so this is uh, also a pretty nice trick too 
I have to replay this demo and really look this up and try. Yeah, me I... too. <laughs> uh, I tried it once, but it, and it works. Things are so we're so happening so fast that it's like I'm trying to remember to do this, but I'm also trying to block and avoid getting mm. hit and like do a bunch yes, of stuff. Yes, of course. Stuff, so. yeah. yeah, to master this uh, system, it's not easy. But if you master it and when you master it, it's very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I noticed and what other people also said, it's really smart to keep blocking and dodging. Um, of course, you can't, sh shouldn't block every attack. Some can avoid it by dodging. Mm -hmm. And some can't really avoid it by dodging, so you have to block. But if you do that, you avoid a lot of damage. If you don't block, don't dodge, just keep attacking, you, you're going through potions like crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really, really an option, I think. So, uh, and I also think the difficulty most modes have a good balancing. I've played it through it on easy and on classical mode to, to uh, see how they, uh, they differ. Mm -hmm. And on easy mode, it's, it's really really easy it's you still have to do stuff but if you know how to uh, stagger enemies and how and how to exploit the weaknesses right. they're really easy you can just plow through sweepers and uh plow through the uh the different phases of the scarred scorpion it's pretty cool or scorpion sentinel as it's now called <laughs> mm -hmm. but on normal it's it's a real challenge i think and also the and the enemy design and progression design is also very well made i think so if you start off with uh, easy enemies, they're, they're die before you can even finish your normal attack combo. But then the guard dogs appear and you kind of need to stagger them or yeah. else you'll just keep exactly. slicing, 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 slicing. So you learn how to stagger and how to uh, exploit the weaknesses. Then come the sentry ray you, where you learn how to use Barret and magic because Cloud can't reach them. Then come the mono drives, which are very agile and can hurt you very badly with magic. So mm -hmm. you have to dispose of them pretty fast, which yeah. isn't that bad, but it also switches up uh, tactics a little bit. And then comes the sweeper, which uh, really, <laughs> really challenges you because it's a HP sp HP sponge. You have to know how to stagger him. Yeah. Uh, some attacks you need to know how to avoid or block them, or interrupt them. And if you can deal with the sweeper, you can pretty much deal with the scorpion sentinel as well. But it also forces you to use everything you have learned so far. Also, when you th uh, think, oh, the scorpion sentinel boss, it's, it's the ultimate one from the demo. I uh, now I'm prepared for everything. And then you go up, uh, up the whole reactor again during the escape. And then you encounter the shock trooper, which dodge practically every melee attack, which is very annoying. <laughs> But um, uh, fortunately, yeah, I um, I I remembered that I have the the punisher mode counter, and this is very effective against them. So then you actually kind of forced to use uh, the counter of the punisher mode to effectively um, counter their attacks, or just use magic. But if you don't have much MP or ether anymore, uh, then you're just better off with using that the counter, which is. With like two counters and they're staggered, or counter and the magic and they're staggered, and then they're just dead meat at this point. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 really well made the progression of the enemy and how you learn uh, the ins and outs of the battle system. At least those few mechanics we've um, seen so far, and I'll bet you there will be so many more uh, <laughs> nuances and new tactics and mm -hmm. 
systems and stuff. Looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. um, also, multi-targets are now a thing. Well, they kind of were already in the original, like uh, carry armor had multiple limbs yes. to, to destroy. The Großpanzer in mm -hmm. uh, the Midgar raid, I think it was, and some other enemies. But Scorpion Sentinel has in the second and fourth phase uh, multiple targets. In the second phase, it's a field generator, which uh, is still prone to damage despite having the uh, field up barrier. And then the legs you can destroy in the fourth phase to severely cripple its abilities and I think mm -hmm. immediately pressure it and stagger it more quickly, I think. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Not nice for tactics. Oh man, I'm all, only halfway through my notes. No, a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. When I was attacking the Scorpion Sentinel, like at the time when that part came in the battle where I could attack like the different limbs and stuff it like the main body was already like pretty much super dead so i just oh, I, see. <laughs> I didn't even bother to destroy the limbs i literally just yeah. went full on <laughs> attacking the main body part and then it died so you don't yeah. need to destroy need the legs that. but if the main part is full hp then yeah i would i would destroy the legs so i would disable it right Although what's interesting is that um, if you target a limb, you still see the HP of uh, of the Scorpion Sentinel. So if you damage the leg, it also damages the main body. So the legs are just additional targets to cripple its abilities. And no those are not additional HP sponges I, I uh, noticed. Oh, I could be okay. wrong, but I did I, not I, that's, know that. that's, how I, that's how I saw it. That's how I... Uh, oh, okay. I didn't interpret it that way. That's why I didn't do it because yeah, in same. other Final Fantasy games, they if if this happens, then usually it's a separate HP pool. Like it doesn't it, take it, away usually from it the, is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So next, um there was a nice switch up in exploration with the, the lace barriers, which I, I liked very much. Because up until this point it was just running around and mm -hmm. uh, kicking bo hitting boxes, but nothing else. But then you had to go through the barriers and time it right, which I found pretty cool. And also, if you hit the barriers repeatedly, Jessie keeps uh, throwing uh, worse and worse lines at you. Uh, she she laughs at you. She uh, makes other remarks. And the last one is also, uh, one is, dude, are you trying to get hit? Or do you have a fetish or something? <laughs> it's really nice. It's cool. So the dialogue is it's it's. Yeah, really well made. And in one interview, I think, uh, Nomura was, was uh, afraid that they might have recorded too much of the dialogue and too many yeah, dialogues. Yeah, I read that, yeah. But uh, in the end, it's the, the more the merrier. <laughs> he said that he thinks that it's probably, like, this game probably has the most, like, voice acting, like, recorded clips in any game. Yeah, probably, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. When, for example, Cloud goes KO and Barrett has to keep going. I uh, tested this once and, and didn't revi revive Cloud. And Barrett has four different lines he throws at Cloud <laughs> until they repeat. So only just that has uh, different mm -hmm. lines. And if you switch between characters, they have so many different lines. And if you do, do the wrong stuff, if you don't cast Thunder on, on the Scorpion Sentinel, then uh, Cloud will get annoyed at Barrett and so on and so forth. It's pretty cool. <laughs> And yeah, it's also what I find great about those dialogues. It brings you closer to the, to the characters. You get mm -hmm. more 
get to learn more nuances about their personalities, how they react to certain uh, situations and stuff. And there's also atmospheric and non-intrusive dialogue, like with Bix and Jesse at the beginning when they're uh, hacking the first door. It's, a, it's kind of like in Final Fantasy XIII 2, when there, you can just run around, it's normal gameplay, but there's still um, dialogue going, going on in, uh, on NPCs nearby. And you can you, you see the text on the side, but you can also shut it off so you only hear it and don't have to read it. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I bet when you when we first uh, board the train or go to se Sector 7 slums, you will hear so many NPCs walking by and telling you stories while you're still walking around and don't yeah, actually exactly. interact with them. Yeah. It's, it's really good for the atmosphere. Yeah. And... Yeah, the lip sync is pretty good, I must say. And I've heard that they were using AI for that. That th those are actually not motion captured uh, lip movements, but uh, you uh, managed by AI for yeah. Japanese, for English, German, and French, which probably cuts down uh, recording time by um, a multitude of factors or by multiple factors, and. The good thing is, if you have to change a line, you don't have to re-record the motion capture. You just have to re-record the line itself, the voice, and then mm -hmm. you're set, which is pretty cool. And it still looks pretty good in uh, during gameplay and outside of cutscenes. Because usually in games, uh, when you're not within a cutscene and the lower, lower polygon model tries to animate the mouth, it looks usually very stilted and mm -hmm. strange. But here with Biggs and Jesse, it looked pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I read an article that it said that they had asked, I guess, Epic to make changes to the Unreal Engine so that they oh, could okay. do this, so they could have more lifelike animations and oh, nice, yeah. lip movements and everything. And it's just for this game. Like They, they just added it in mm -hmm. so that for Square Enix to be able to use that oh, nice. uh, those features, which is pretty amazing which probably is why it looks so lifelike especially to when like you said they're like talking yeah. it looks like they're actually speaking with the lip movements and everything because mm. i agree with you some of the npcs too like i really hope the npcs are lifelike because i find like final fantasy games the character models look amazing and they're really like lifelike looking yes they're fantasy characters but a lot of the npcs are so awkward like they yeah. don't they don't look like they don't move the same with the same fluidity nope. as the main cast does, so it's a little off-putting sometimes. Like mm, it is, yeah. Especially too in like thirteen, you know, you go talk to somebody and then they just like turn, like but they yeah, don't turn, move their legs. <laughs> they yeah. don't move their legs to turn, like they just their body just floats. It like float turns, like it's not floating. It's just sliding, slide turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Or they they do move, but they kind of perform a walking animation while turning, which is also very awkward. <laughs> but yeah, from what we've seen, though, it looks like they're going to be more lifelike. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We didn't see any NPC, though, unless uh, you count the Avalanche members, but normal NPCs, there weren't any. No, but at the end of the trailer, if you did the 20-minute I mean, at the end of the demo, if you chose 20 minutes, you got extra scenes at the end of the demo. And it does show Cloud roaming through the streets after the reactor is blown up. And he's going up to 
the NPCs and you can see them walking and they look like natural. Like they don't okay, look odd. So yeah. fingers crossed, but mm. who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, we've touched on that before, but the graphics, mm-hmm. lighting, atmosphere, color schemes, especially, and the textures and the reflections, it's it's all very, very refined and polished. So. Really, really cool. I did notice that the the window reflection yeah, I saw uh, that. resolution is pretty low, mm-hmm. but uh, the rest is is really nicely made. I I love it. Also, Maximilian, dude, I I wa- I'm watching his uh, long demo playthrough right now, and mm-hmm. he's just gushing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it so much. It's yeah. nice to see. And what I also like and dislike at the same time, you can't see down to the slums from the T-junction. Right. As you could in the original. Yet the original was very low resolution, so we can't, couldn't really see much. But uh, here you can look down, but you only see the fog, mm-hmm. which makes sense because of all the pollution and it's night and the light uh, shines on the pollution and reflects. Yeah. So it makes sense. But also interesting, when cloud falls down uh, in the Sector 5 reactor explosion in the one trailer, Last trailer, I think. You could see parts of the slums in this cutscene, but it's a cutscene, so it has more uh, power to render everything. So right. probably because we're in gameplay, it didn't have the uh, the power to also render all the uh, the slum. Yeah, uh, exactly. Textures down there, probably. We'll see. Maybe they change it for uh, the final build, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Then also, it's a great balance between nostalgia staying very faithful to the source material while mm-hmm. also adding flavor and extending what's already there, adding new content, like additional scenes. We've talked about this a little bit with President Chinra's office, uh, him and Heidegger. And where they showed us why the the reactor exploded to this magnitude. Mm-hmm. Because this small C4 charge, how can this just explode the whole reactor like this? It, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's extreme. And this, it also makes sense uh, that uh, Jessie was telling us that in an optional dialogue in the original that she made everything according to plan and didn't expect uh, the explosion to be this big. So it was hinted at that something is off, but it didn't pick up anymore, which I find a little bit of a pity. But here in the remake, we know why. <laughs> yeah. There were some uh, scenes like being broadcast on television as well, like if you went up to the TV... And you pressed it, you could hear. All oh, right, true, it, true, yeah. It 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 was that you didn't hear anything, but it showed like the text of what the television host was saying yes. on there. Yes, you get pieces of the of them like actually doing it themselves, like it, by talking to other people and stuff in the original. Yeah, it's it said something about uh, reactor bombing and terrorists and whatever, and it sounded like propaganda by Shinra. And yes, uh, they that's also what I meant. Us. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's propaganda by Shinra. Yeah. yeah. And they also said they were going to deploy soldier to apprehend Avalanche. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really see that in the original. There were no soldiers going after our group. But mm-hmm. here, now we have Roche or Roche or Roche, yes. I think. Roche. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's actually a soldier coming after Avalanche, which I it find pretty sense. cool. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And last but not least, the music. It's. Sends shivers down my whole body every time I think <laughs> about the music or listen to the music. It's so nice and very dynamic too. So, for example, the Mako reactor theme. Mm-hmm. In the original, we had just one theme that played, end of story. 
here we have the theme that's uh, kind of a little bit arranged, but still very similar. But then uh, it it changes when we get to the the lasers. It uh, uh, some strings mm -hmm. come into play and made it make it more intense. And then we get down to the sweeper and just uh, during this this cutscene and before we engage the sweeper, we yeah. get another part which is very intense. And every, each time we get into a um, a battle, actually. Then it completely switches to the battle theme of the Mako Reactor, which is dope, super awesome. And it's it just switches between those two versions. It, it doesn't fade out one and fade in the other. It actually cross-fades between as if uh, certain instruments just fade out and other instruments fade in. It's super, uh, super smooth. I like it. Uh, even in uh, 2017, in my, I think, the third analysis video I did on uh, the PSX 2015 trailer and the screenshots from 2017, even then I uh, I kind of asked the developers to please, please do uh, those uh, seamless transitions between music, because mm -hmm. I really loved that also in Final Fantasy XIII 2, because when you were close to the enemy, it switched to a kind of a more intense version. Yeah. But then the battle theme was different, but this intense version was also smooth, smoothly uh, faded, fading in, which I loved. So I'm glad they uh, opted for that. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, also four different uh, arrangements for the Scorpion Sentinel fight. Each phase has its own theme or own arrangements. Yeah. Uh, we have an intro arrangement or an intro tune and we have an outro tune. So it's it's almost a whole orchestra perf performance during this fight. It's epic as hell. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love it. And there's also another arrangement of the bombing mission theme when we're escaping mm -hmm. with a with a different uh, pacing. And each time a cutscene appears, there's uh, another part of the theme, another arrangement fading in until it goes back to the normal arrangement during uh, gameplay. It's it's uh, just I don't know how to express it. Just uh, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. And I keep listening to it on my phone. I did. Uh, I mixed all those uh, parts together so that they kind of fit mm -hmm. into one track, and it's uh, it's really nice to to listen to. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the music was incredible, and they did such a great job with the transitions between the different like arrangements of the themes, but depending on like your environment, right? So like, like you yes. said, you're in the Mako reactor, you're walking. It's the slow one that we normally know. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into battle, it's just transitions into fast version of it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? But it's so seamless. Like it's just, it's insane. Like there's no stopping. There's nothing. It just picks up. Like, yep. like it's like the music is living. Like, mm -hmm. It is Living with organism. the game, like with the game, it's it's yeah, so hard to explain, but it's just so well done. Yeah, and bef uh, before anyone can play, it's oh, where's the normal battle theme? Well, there's a battle against four security officers right after you enter the uh, mm -hmm. reactor itself, with another arrangement of those who fight or let the battles begin, whichever version you prefer, yeah. which is a really nice one. And maybe you've noticed it, but um, in the Scorpion Sentinel battle theme, you have 
those who fight further mixed with bombing mission. Very, yeah. uh, very nicely uh, mixed yeah. together. And in the fourth, um, fourth phase, there's one small part where you hear hear a few notes of the main theme e- even. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's, it's just just kind of a short it's break, so main theme, and then it co- it goes again. It's it's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, that's about what uh, what I thought was great about the demo, and this is just the start, just the first hour of the game, which yeah. will probably amount to fifty or sixty hours if you take your time, mm-hmm. without uh, going into all the uh, side stories. I think. Yeah. So my overall opinion is, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I'm so glad we got it. We didn't think we were going to yeah, get same. it. <laughs> we really didn't think we were going to get it. No, nope. but we did in a previous episode. We did talk to each other. We were kind of bouncing off ideas when about when we might get the demo, and we did. Mm-hmm. This was one of our one of our um, ideas was that we would probably get it on the original launch day of the game, which was March third. Exactly. But it was the, the second that we got it. But I'm assuming mm-hmm. everybody's NDAs expired. They didn't renew yeah. their NDAs. Um, mm-hmm for the new release date, I guess. Um, Maybe they did. I don't know. I don't have inside information, but it seems like they didn't and everybody's been talking about it online and releasing all the media for the game and stuff. Um, And they probably wanted to get it out on Monday instead of Tuesday. That's true. Yeah. Or um, the game is 23 years old. So uh, releasing it on the 2nd of March in Europe or in Japanese writing off uh, the date format it also makes sense. Mm-hmm. The second of March, twenty-three years. So maybe that's that's also a thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe just coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I can't wait to play uh, more of this game when it comes out. I'm gonna be spending yeah, like hours same. and hours and weeks and weeks just. Yeah. You know, being in this world. And... Yeah, I took two weeks off so I can play through record let's plays upload everything and just take my time with it and not being interrupted constantly by having to work and having mm-hmm. to re- rearrange my brain for programming other stuff so i'm glad i could uh mm-hmm. move my vacation to april 10th yeah it's easter here when the game comes out so mm-hmm. i'm going to be off work on the friday and the monday so unfortunately, I can't take any time off before or oh, after a major sucks, holiday. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's totally fine. Like it'll be a, it'll be a short week on both ends, you know. So I'll only be at work for four days, and then it'll be the weekend again, you know. So I mm. think it'll be fine, and I'll play it during the evenings, like as soon as I get home and stuff. So yeah, sure, sure. All right, guys, so our next part that we're talking about here, there were some new articles and more info uh, about the other chapters of the game that was released. So it looks like various gaming websites were giving their thoughts on the demo and also certain members of the press and also um, YouTubers that got to play a special behind-the-scenes demo that was actually three hours long featuring gameplay from, like I said, the various different parts. So I think it was chapter one, chapter two, seven, and ten. I'm not 100% sure. I couldn't, like, I didn't verify it, but I'm pretty sure that that's what what it was. Um, From what I know, it's uh, walking through Devastated Sector 8 after the reactor bombing, meeting Aerith, uh, fleeing from Shinra. 
then the latter part of the sec second bombing mission, including the battle against Airbuster, and then the uh, battle against Abs or Abzu, is how it's, it's he's called now. Yeah. Uh, those those parts I think were uh, were shown to them and they could play it and they all, uh, all like Maximilian Dude talked about it. Uh, Eurogamer put out the video talking about it and yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't want to know anything of that, but I still listened to the Eurogamer video. Didn't yeah. watch it. I listened to it just and uh, took off my headphones when I heard dialogue uh, yeah. starting on so that I. Didn't get spoiled with uh, in-game dialogue. But I kind of um, learned a few details I didn't want to know, especially in the lead-up to the Airbuster fight. But that's the only thing that uh, kind of spoiled me. The rest is not a problem. The meeting with Aerith, I kind of predicted how it will play out anyway, so that was, wasn't anything new. But yeah, other than that, I'm going in fresh, I think. Yeah, and I'm I'm similar because... I, I watched the Eurogamer video. I did watch some parts of the... It was like the Japanese videos that the Japanese uh, right, right, Square yes. Enix YouTube channel, I think, had posted that showed mm -hmm. more stuff from the other chapters. Um, I only watched a bit of, it, a bit of that. Uh, I didn't go back and rewatch it. I've only seen like a little bit like one time. So, um, And I also, like you, I, didn't, I don't want to be spoiled, right? So... I like we won't be talking about any of the extra no, things that not at all we've basically that are out there if you want to go and read those things and watch the videos and be up to date on all that stuff then by all means like you guys can go ahead and do that um but we're just trying to stay as unspoiled as possible yep so we're not going to be really going in depth about any of that so but it does look like there was a lot of negativity uh, from mainstream <laughs> mainstream gaming media about the demo, yeah. which I, I, in my opinion, I think is unwarranted. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So everything that I've re read has been generally um, positive, but then you have some mainstream gaming sites and media basically saying that, you know, oh, the battle system is too chaotic and there's so much happening on screen. And there are definitely a lot of things happening on screen, but for me like y y it's an action hybrid jrpg okay so you have to be active in what you're doing like you you can't just be passive like a passenger in this game okay like you have to <laughs> to make decisions and learn the system so that you're making the best decisions possible depending on the type of enemy that you're fighting like these are not new things these things have been reused and reused and reused in, in uh, different games over the years like i can't even begin to mention because there's just so many but it's just that you have to basically you have to just learn the system and that's what the game is telling you so if you're having a hard time playing the game it's because you didn't take the time to learn the system and that's okay. You'll learn it more the more you play it. And it was just a very short demo in a short amount of time. Um, I thought it, that it was totally fine. You know, there is a lot of animations and things happening on screen, but I felt the urgency of the battle. There's an urgency there. The music mm -hmm. kicks in, it's fast. There's explosions, like there's animations, there's like particle effects, like, I'm in it. Like, I, I want that. Like, I, I need to make the decisions that are best for my party so that I can defeat the enemy. And it's like I'm active in that decision-making. 
so anyway, yeah, I, definitely. <laughs> it's not like a Souls game, okay? Nope. And people are talking about it like oh, being really hard. It's like this is not Dark Souls. Like this is not Bloodborne. Bloodborne was even more actiony than Dark Souls, but Dark Souls was so punishing. Like you would die and die and die and die and people still played that game and absolutely adored it. So I just feel mm-hmm. like this game is just getting trashed for the sake of getting trashed because it's never going to be exactly what everybody wants it to be or what they remember the game being. You just have to be open to accepting and receiving this game as the vision that Square Enix wanted to create this game as a remake. I'm open to it and I'm totally in it. You know, I can understand how some people aren't going to be into it, but it doesn't mean that the game is bad. Like you have to go online and spread negativity. That's not even real because it's not real. It's just, it's not your type of game anymore. And that's okay. Move on from that, you know, move on from that and play something that you do enjoy, you know, instead of spending time, trashing and bashing this game but it's the thing is is like square enix took so much time and care trying to cater to everybody which just isn't possible in the end (laughs) but they did a really great job i think of balancing it out for you know fans of the series and adding things in to make it nostalgic and Mm -hmm. also cues to the original like just the environments and putting all that time and effort, like you said already with all of the different lines they're recording and um, all the attention to detail, like I said, in the environments and to the battle system and the music, like, I don't know. I just don't know how you can't be into it, honestly. And I think that it's just people are trashing just to be, just to trash it because it's like the cool thing to do or I, I don't know why. Anyway. Yeah, me neither. But, um, the thing is, it's it's one one thing to uh, don't like a game, hate on a game. That's per- perfectly fine if you're open about this is not my type of game or it's something I just can't play and own up to it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can just uh, play other games and uh, enjoy other games. Exactly. But sometimes it just sounds like, ah, this I don't like this game. It's too hard. Too... It just sounds negative it does, they don't formulate their uh, reviews or their their sentences in a way that we understand that they don't like it it's too hard for them but they acknowledge that it's the game is still good it doesn't yeah, sound like exactly. that. it sounds like oh it's uh, the game is is trash it's because just bad, it's uh, yeah. too hard it's it's uh, too chaotic they designed it badly or something like that i don't know but the thing is if you play a game try to understand the systems first Try to get good. Try to to learn it. Try to um, yeah. In in the in the case of this demo, try to explore, uh, kill the boxes to get mm-hmm. more potions and MP and what have you. Phoenix downs so that you're when you play bad, you still have like a, a cushion to fall fall into when uh, you get wrecked by the boss. Yeah, because I think over. 20 potions and uh, cure, cure spell if you have, are out of, ran out of potions is still enough to beat the game, beat the boss. And if you can't, if you're just not fast enough of a thinker or uh, your reflexes are bad, it's also okay too. That's what easy mode or even classic mode is for. It's true. 
especially classic mode because the classic mode is designed for people who don't want to take care of positioning, blocking, dodging, and attacking. They just want to wait until the uh, ATB bars are filled up and then choose to execute cool abilities, nice spells, um, limit breaks, later summons. It's a kind of place like the original where, where you wait until the ATB bar is full and then you select commands. That's mm -hmm. why it's called classic mode. It's still not exactly the same. I've tried it. It's really easy. It's, mm -hmm. it's extremely easy. And if you want, if you still want to take part in the battle, you can still uh, uh, take over, um, steer cloud around, attack on your own, and then leave the controller alone and then leave the uh, characters to their own devices again. I think it's very well made, very well designed. And yeah, just just play on easy if, if normal's too hard. That's, uh, no, one's no one's gonna blame you. That's why those different um, difficulty levels exist in the first place. Exactly. So yeah, if you blame the game for you being bad, just, I'm sorry, but get good. <laughs> or just play other games that you enjoy, actually. Because I, there are so many games that are not for me. I don't play shooters. I'm bad at shooters. I yeah, played shooters so a lot in the past with my buddies, but I also uh, usually just uh, kick the buckets all the time because I, yeah. it's just not for me. My brain isn't wired to play shooters, so yeah. I don't play shooters. <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's no problem. But I, c I could still review or play a shooter and acknowledge the, the benefits it has, or at least try to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's my opinion. Every, each to each their own. We're yeah. all different, but don't... Uh, don't expect every game to cater to your uh, to your level. That's just not mm -hmm. going to happen. That's also why I I it aggravates me that people ask for boss skipping uh, functions. Like mm -hmm. God of War bosses are too, uh, or, or Dark Souls. I don't remember which one. I think it was God of War. Please incorporate a button to skip bosses. Why? Don't play the game if you can't beat the bosses. I don't know. It's yeah, I totally agree with it's you. Weird. It's weird. I don't want to shit on those that, that are bad at games, but choose games who fit your skill level. Mm -hmm. Or play on easy if there's an easy mode. Or just try, try and try and try again. There are also so many d disabled people, which maybe some can only use some fingers, have trouble moving their fingers, or have only one hand, and they try their best to master mm -hmm. the games, and those are mostly better than many casual gamers. Because they try, they really try to get good and uh, work with what they have, and I fi find it really commendable. So, if you're able-bodied and still complain about everything being too hard, please, just try at least. <laughs> try to learn or let it be. Yeah, every Final Fantasy game in this series, like, they, oh, they do this a lot. Like, it's, a, it's like the, the battle system is different, and it caters to a different audience. Some people yeah. who played Final Fantasy VI don't like Final Fantasy XIII. They don't like the battle system. Like, I yeah, sure. really liked XIII's battle system. I mastered that system. I had the official game guide. I played through it with the game guide, and I learned all of it and, and the party switching and the paradigm system and everything. And I can understand why people would not like that. It's yeah, sure. not like a traditional Final Fantasy game. But the time and effort that went into making that system and you like, you know, if you 
learned it and you played through the game the way that it was intended for you to, it was such a better experience. Like I can understand why people didn't like that game. And I'm not talking about the story because the story was ridiculous and convoluted yeah. and <laughs> was hidden away in a bunch of data logs and everything. Like yeah, I don't mean that. I'm just talking about the system. Like this game, they really have really tried to reinvigorate the series update it give us what we wanted but also give us a challenge too i don't want to go to sleep sure. when i'm playing this game like no. i you know like and same thing with god of war god of war was an amazing game it was hard though there were some yeah. parts that were hard you had to upgrade your equipment get the better armor uh unlock more better stronger abilities it wasn't just like the old God of War games, which was just a, a hack and slash beat em up game. Where you just literally didn't really have to have any skill, okay? You just like twirl around and hit the enemies with your uh, shackles and your blades, whatever, and then they would just like die with one hit, and you're just like basically going through the story. And the enemies weren't that hard. Some of them were really hard, but at anyway. least a normal mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. <sighs> I don't know. I just don't understand uh, like the thought process. Like the community begged for this game for so many years and they listened and now they're making it and it's coming out and yeah. people have just turned their backs on Square Enix. It's just like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's weird. It's strange. Yeah. They're just, they're making it for us. Like, I mean, yeah. for themselves, too, because they know how much money this game's going to make. Yeah, like, sure. Let's be honest. They're a business. Of course they know that. Square Enix, yeah. But the individual uh, workers or uh, uh, developers, especially Kitazu Nomura and the others, and all, all the others that exactly. grew up playing the game and now are working on the game, you feel their passion. And in interviews, you feel their passion. And what Maximilian Du told us, they are really, they, they know they can't <laughs> this up, they can't, they need to bring uh, a great product. And it shows in the demo. Yeah, it really shows. So it's not just uh, some 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 cheap cash grab or something like that. Even this the uh, multi part structure is not to milk you. Oh my god! But, oh um... my god! If I have to read another <laughs> article or read another comment online about just how it's not the entire game right now, I just it's yeah, so just frustrating. Like. <laughs> How many more yeah. times does it need to be explained to you in order to get the original story in this high fidelity with the fleshed out characters and all the environments that you want, the way that you want it, the way that games are now, it would take so many years. It, it's just, it's not possible. It's not feasible anymore. It's no. not feasible. And also... The technology is limited. We're at the end of the PS4's life cycle. Like they might as well just wait for the PS5 and then redo everything for the PS5 and wait 10 years and then release it. But I'm okay with yeah. them releasing it in parts. They were upfront with that. Like I yeah. think it's actually a good thing that we're getting at least the first part of the game this generation. They promised that we were gonna get it for PS4 and yep. we're finally getting it. Like I I just I, I don't know what else yeah. to say about that, honestly. Just no. do your research. Just do your yeah. research. Like, you know? Yeah, you can still not like certain aspects, but please uh, be informed and please try to 
give constructive criticism, not just, ah, this is bad, it's a telltale game, it's a crash crap, it's this, is bad, it's not exactly like the original, oh, this is not not there, pre-order cancelled, and please stop. <laughs> for, the, for the laughs, of course, but... I understand where people are coming from, but most games yeah. have sequels now, and the sequel is a continuation of the story that you know. Yeah. This is just them saying up front, there will be sequels, but the sequels are just other parts of the story you know, but it's more yeah. story. It's just... A lot of companies yeah. don't even tell you that they have the intention of releasing nope. multiple parts to their games. You just get the first part, and you don't even know that they have plans to release like every other part like in the next... Every two years, they release a new part, but you still buy Mostly, it. Yeah. You still buy it. Yeah. You still play it. So I just don't understand. Like, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, rage over. <laughs> yeah, rage over. We could go on for hours. <laughs> so, moving on to the next uh, section of the episode here today. So, we did get a bunch of articles where uh, Kataze and Nomura have been talking to media about certain things. We just went through some of the most important ones. We're just going to briefly state them here, uh, talk a little bit about them. So the first one was, I guess, in response to people being upset that Sephiroth was shown to be in Midgar, which in the beginning, he was more elusive um, in the original Final Fantasy VII. So here's what the uh, explanation was. It was an article uh, that was published originally in an interview through IGN, but I took it from Games Radar article. So it says, in the original, players had no previous knowledge of that world or many of its characters. So I really wanted to build Sephiroth up as this really major threat, which is what Kataze said, who directed the original in 1997. You don't see him. You see the after of what he's done. You hear rumors about him to build up the fear of this massive evil presence without actually seeing it. So all of this has happened. And since time has gone on, all of these characters have become a big part of pop culture with the release of Advent Children, the films, and also like, you know, the crossovers with other video games, like with Smash Bros., as well with Cloud being there and uh, the compilation games and everything, people are more aware of who these characters are, uh, even if they didn't play the original, basically. So his justification was that uh, he didn't feel the need to have to hold back and hide so much about Sephiroth. Um, It looks like Sephiroth is going to be a massive presence overarching throughout the whole story of the remake. Um... And he said that he felt like he wanted to include this in the first game in the project so that uh, you really have the feeling of him having a clear presence, like right from the start, basically. So what do you think? <sighs> I, it's strange. I, I still feel a bit conflicted because I'm so attached to the original and mm-hmm. we, have, we didn't see Sephiroth until the flashback in Nibelheim and only heard about it about him before. And even after that, we didn't actually encounter him until uh, uh, the cargo ship crossing to Costa del Sol. So it's kind of a completely different approach here. So we see yeah. in the trailers, we've seen him in so many uh, of Cloud's episodes, so we, where it's not 
he's not be, being really there. He's just taunting Cloud and exactly uh, making him him uh, feel very uncomfortable. But uh, he also appears almost physically, I think, in uh, in the Shinra HQ. And uh, when we when he murders President Shinra, we see him there in the flesh. Yeah. Unlike the original, where we only hear Palmer talking about him. Oh yeah. We see him in front of the Genoa t- uh, tank before Genoa breaks out, which is kind of strange, and I'm still not hundred percent percent sure what I what to make of it. But I will uh, probably release a video about this maybe next week. I hope. Okay. So that's still something to chew. To chew on, but um, I'm still looking forward to how they're actually making this a reality, this new approach to Sephiroth, and I hope he still feels like this this looming danger or presence over Midgard or the Cloud and especially the whole group further down the line. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm. Looking forward to see, seeing how this is going to play out in the remake. Like, how are they going to justify this? I think it's going to be told to us through the, throughout the story, I think. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm all for that. Like, I'm, it's, it's fine f- for me. Um, the original, I think it could have used a little bit more sprinkling of Sephiroth. Probably, yeah. In the beginning, because there's mm. like literally almost nothing. Practically and then nothing. you're hearing about it through other people, which I think is still going to happen. I think you're still going to hear, because maybe Cloud doesn't even know. Like, he's having these episodes, right? So, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. In the original, he had, uh, there was a flashback with the promise where he mentioned yes. Sephiroth, that, yes. that he wanted to join Soldier. That's exactly. one. Then another one when he's... Um, I think talking to Aerith, he mentioned Sephiroth briefly in their, uh, when they're in the, in the, on the playground, just before they meet uh, Tifa, or meet, uh, see Tifa driving by. And then another one after Platefall, where he has another one of his episodes, where uh, Genoa, Sephiroth, is talking to him, and then he mentions his name again. And then, of course, when the, uh, the, the sword is sticking out of President Shinra's back. Yeah. I think there maybe there might be one or two other instances which I can't remember from the top of my head, but he has been mentioned a few times, but just in passing, I think. So yeah, since this is a whole game, complete game, and so many people who haven't played the original still know about Sephiroth, maybe they play Kingdom Hearts, maybe they play Dissidia, mm-hmm. or watch Advent Children. Yeah, they know about the character and they exactly. expect this character to be there. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have any other cho- choice to include it more and uh, make him more of a presence in this first part. Exactly. So I understand it. They probably have to do it for it to make sense with the changes, not the changes, but the fleshing out of the stories that they're trying to do. Most likely too, yeah. You know? Which is what they're also doing in other aspects. Like, we already talked about this on a previous episode as well. Like, there's a Genova boss battle. Like, there, there wasn't yeah. one. There wasn't one. But they're, I think, like you said, they're adding it in to make sense of the changes that they've made or the updates that they've made to the fleshing mm. out of the stories. So, and it makes sense in the context of what we're getting, and I'm okay with that. You can't just um, introduce an element like uh, have Cloud say, uh, "I want to jo- join Soldier and become like Sephiroth," and then we see Genova in 
in the uh, Shinra HQ, but then no fight, no other confrontation. Yeah. We don't really see Sephiroth, which which has who has been established in the in the start. It would just be feel very weird. Yeah. So that's one uh, reason why they had to do it to make it feel like a whole package. That's also what Nomura-san um, stressed or emphasized in his interview that we will feel like there was a it was a complete experience, a complete game, and we'll be satisfied when the credits roll. Or was mm-hmm. it Kitase-san? I don't remember. One of those said that at least. So it's not just a, a chunk of a full game. It's it's a complete full game that just tells a part of a story, but is in itself complete and feels satisfying when you end it or you uh, reach the end. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing the full thing. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of plays into the next article that um, we have here. So Games Radar posted another article uh, stating that Kataze had said that he's fine working on the seven remake um for the rest of his career so people <laughs> kind of took this out of context and thought like oh gosh like he's gonna like there's gonna be so many parts because he's gonna keep working on it for the mm-hmm. rest of his career till he retires and it's gonna be like 20 years from now or something and that's not what he meant he just meant that uh like if this game continues, he would be totally fine working on it into the future mm. because he said in 10 or 20 years time, basically it may need to be remade again, but <laughs> yeah. he wants, yeah. And that's, I know, right? Like, oh my gosh, but yeah. he, he wants it to be loved and followed by future generations. That's what he said. And mm. I appreciate that because I do too. I do too. Mm. You know, I don't have any Same, kids, yeah. but a lot of people that I'm talking to, online now have kids that play this game and they're like sharing it with their own children so that is gonna (laughs) that's going to keep this game going into the future for future generations right but then those children's children might (laughs) might get another remake of it right like in 20 years so yeah grandchildren uh, (laughs) yeah it's crazy but um boy yeah yeah uh, the next article as well said that basically uh, it was a GameSpot article that was posted that said that he said, Kataze said that if they made a one-to-one remake of the original, then people would be disappointed, right? And this is what we're kind of talking about, about the Sephiroth thing. So here's what he said. He said, uh, but if we were to just make a 100% one-for-one remake of the original game, just follow the story exactly how it was and not change anything, I think people would like it but it would just be oh yeah i remember this uh that was great and you know how nostalgic that was so nice and and that's all you get um he continues on and he says we have to meet people's expectations give them what they want to see but we have to go beyond that and uh really exceed those people's expectations and give them new surprises as, as well along the way so uh, he says it was something that we had to pay a lot of attention to and we were very careful, but it just didn't stop at, yeah, this was a great game. I remember this. They had to go further and provide a new experience. So, Which I commend them for. Yeah, I really commend them for this. It's a huge undertaking and uh, probably costs a huge amount of money and mm-hmm. maybe there's also risk involved. Yeah. So really going above and beyond for the fans and for themselves probably too it's uh, it's really commendable yeah everybody just needs to be open to receiving this for what it is it's it was mm. never going to be 
a one-to-one remake. It was never going to be that. They said this from the beginning. It was never going to be just an HD texture pack mod for the PC Mm. version of the game, which already exists. So if you want to play that, mod your Final Fantasy VII PC game and just play that version or play the original version. Like, it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. But I really recommend people be open to receiving this game and having an open mind when they're trying to play through this game and think about what they were thinking about trying to make this like that's what i thought when i played the demo was wow like they really took so much attention to detail and they're trying to recreate everything and they're trying to please us the music's awesome like i'm seeing all the work and i'm like wow like i can't wait to play this game Mm. you know exactly and this is like a new experience it's just imagine you get the exact same game it just looks prettier but it's just the exact same mm-hmm. might work because well if it just looks prettier it's it's okay works like the uh, the secret of mana remake which yeah. kind of looks the same just uh up to, with up to date graphics in a chibi style but even that game that wasn't received that well it was still it was exactly the same but nothing new it was just for nostalgia purposes, yeah, it had still the same bugs, even, and uh, I don't think that this is uh, this is really worth it. Um, in the in in secret of mana case, it probably was warranted because you can't just port a uh, Super Nintendo game on on a PlayStation Four or Xbox. Probably not that feasible, and maybe maybe it would work, but. For the longevity, it probably is better to have sort of a, an ex- extended remaster of mm-hmm. sorts. But in this case, Final Fantasy VII original still works very well in the PS4 version. You can still play it. It's it's great. It's uh, maybe it's a bit blocky. Some uh, the younger generation wouldn't probably like it because it just looks old. Yeah, but it still works perfectly. So if you if you recreate the whole thing, because if you remake it, you have to make it from the ground up and you exactly better go all in and yeah. provide a completely new experience for everyone instead of just retreading the same because then it's also not fun for those who work on it it's exactly a, it's getting boring it won't won't have the same soul in it and here in this demo and in the trailers at least me i've i felt this the soul that the work the heart mm-hmm. heart that's been poured into it so it's, uh, i'm really glad they went this route of course, I'd I'd love to play Beyond Midgar and uh, see all the, the awesome places and the weapons and fly around with the high wind and play games at Gold Saucer and what have you and mm-hmm. use the submarine, but that's for another time. Yeah, exactly. Patience, people, patience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look what happened with Warcraft 3 Reforged, okay? Like, that was oh, an HD... Tac- that. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, people... <laughs> people you know they hated that and that was just an hd texture pack mod basically but then they took away the original game imagine if square enix did that imagine they updated it and then they took away the original people would lose their minds like as much as that's what people are thinking they want it's not really what they want that's not what they really want like i think what they could have done they could have done an HD upgrade 
They could have done that years ago. They could have done it for PS3. It could have been Mm. the original game, but it was like Final Fantasy VIII remaster. Like they could have done that. They could have done it by now, but the time's gone. That's never going to happen. I really think they could have done it. And then it would have held people over until this, but I get it. I get it. But that just didn't happen. And I, you know, I understand, but yeah, you're just going to love this remake. So just, just, just buy it. Just do yourself a favor, buy it and play it and love it. (laughs) Yeah. And if not, just watch it on YouTube and see how the story goes. And maybe then you will be convinced and play it afterwards. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And if it's just not your cup of cup of tea, that's fine. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was another article posted, uh, Famitsu posted an article um, which featured an interview with Nomura actually talking about how the side quest stories are f- just as fleshed out as the uh, main quests are, the main story quests. So that, to me, really put me at ease because I know that we talked about this uh, during our, our apprehensions episode when we were talking yeah. about, <laughs> uh, we're really hoping that, you know, the side quests are going to be like story related and not just fetch quests, right? So we we don't know if that's what the he means by this. I, I think that we're gonna have a little bit of that, but I it sounds like we're also gonna get like the side quest stories are gonna be just as fleshed out as this as the main story quest, which I'm all here for. Like I'm I'm here for it, you know? Like Yeah, same. <laughs> I think it's gonna be awesome. So Yeah, I'm so looking forward to them. <laughs> yeah, same. And they also posted like story spoilers, I think, in that article as well. And I was like, whoa, like I was reading it. And then I was like, whoa, oh, my God. Like I had to stop reading it. I was like, no. So I don't know um, I, if it's I, I'm not going to talk to you about it because you probably right, right, don't right, know yeah. it. But no. anyway, I, I was just like, oh, my God, they didn't even put a spoiler warning. Uh, that's 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 so they spoiled their own move, yeah. games. Anyway, yeah. Just yeah. just one of the side the quests. Blog. They went into specifics right. about uh, I see. Okay. who's getting a side quest and like all this stuff. And they talk about a scene that happens during that side quest and it wasn't in the original. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. M- maybe it's the same because I was uh, reading the whole uh, interview with Nomura on, I think it was Dual Shockers. And he also t- talked about stuff and then just just a throwaway line and then you meet this character and then yeah, me- you meet their yes whatever yeah, yeah, and yeah that was this is the one that i was talking yeah about. exactly i yeah. i don't don't want to, to, to tell you more exactly. or tell you guys more because i don't want to spoil you too yeah it's, Fem- it's something posted it in japanese and then do yeah, shockers exactly. translated it that's yeah, what it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah and it's I, i'm looking forward to it but it's but it's I didn't want to know that. <laughs> I know, right? And there was no spoiler uh, warning. No, no, nothing. And, and the rest where... is not spoilery. It's just this throwaway line, one sentence. <laughs> but that is spoiler. Anyway, it's, yeah. cra- it's just crazy. Um, yeah. But Square Enix also posted an article. It was like somebody that works as an editor, I guess, at Square Enix or something. And it was just like, it was pretty, it was a pretty sassy article because <laughs> it was just like, yeah, we get it. Like, just letting you know, spoilers are starting now. We're just putting it out yeah. there. And then they right. spoiled like one of the whole missions. And I read it and I was like, I didn't read the whole thing. Like I saw that it was spoilery and I read like the first few lines and I was like, oh my God. Like, but it was funny. I, I appreciate that they were like just being, you know, 
they were kind of being sassy because they were just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, we know there's spoilers. Like, here you go. If you want to read it, read it. If you don't, don't read it. But here we go. This is exactly Exactly. what we're telling you. And then I'm like, wow. And it was Square Enix official. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Spoilers start start after the Barrett image or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. Then I stopped reading. (laughs) They're spoiling their own game. Wow. Okay. What was it uh, during the second bombing mission before Airbus? Mm-hmm. What, what they spoiled? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's also what what I was spoiled in the uh, yeah. Eurogamer yes. video I listened to. Yes. I should shouldn't have done that, but I just yeah. I don't know. I couldn't help myself. But since then, I know nothing else. Just keep away same from here. Everything that remotely looks like spoilers. <laughs> yeah, it's so, the yeah. same. It's the same one. Yeah, yeah it's the that. same thing. Yeah. It's it's really cool idea, but I didn't want to know that. <laughs> They're probably too like they probably worked. They've been working on this game forever, so the people working yeah, on yeah. it just like I just gotta tell somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> it's it's like the voice actors who are under NDA and just can't tell anyone which cool game they're working on right now, but uh, just have to wait for two or three years to finally say, "Oh, I'm working on the Last of Us 2. Exactly. Finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah. then there was another article as well um, that was posted. So uh, here's the quote from Kataze. So it says, okay, so first of all, you have to promise you're not going to write an article saying Square Enix is making remaking Final Fantasy something something. But just a personal opinion, just so you understand that, the first Final Fantasy that I've worked on myself was Final Fantasy V, and that hasn't been remade with the more realistic kind of approach yet. So I think that it would be quite interesting to do Final Fantasy V remake someday, okay? FF5 remake confirmed! <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome. That was posted oh boy, by yeah. Nintendo Life, actually, and I'm all for it, but it's just... Sure. It's so funny that he put that at the beginning of what he said. Yeah, yeah like... he has to. He has to. <laughs> because his words will get twisted and put out of context, and it, it happens always. It's... Uh... He has to put caveats and uh, disclaimers everywhere. Yeah. It's funny anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the next article we got, it says it's by Power Up Gaming. And it says that Kataze said that when we first sat down and discussed how we were going to do the battle system, that he was more uh, of the opinion that it could just be turned into a full modern action game. He didn't believe that they needed to include the turn-based system, but it says that it says Tetsuya was actually really uh, against that. So uh, he was a really strong believer of not leaving the per- uh, turn-based combat uh, fans behind. So I really appreciate that. I think it's great. And I think that it has really good balance between the two. Yeah, definitely. Honestly. And what I find really interesting in this is that uh, I, when I was still roaming on uh, game facts, but game FAQs, so many people just roasted Nomura all the, all the time. Oh, he's, he's, he's the action uh, action game type. He can only do action. That's why he they took uh, brought him on board to make an action game. It's action, it's bad. We need turn-based, <laughs> blah, blah. And now you see he was actually the one who reigned Kitaze and said, no, no, not just not pure action. We need turn-based aspect too. So please, please, please give the man a break. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So the next biggest article that we got was from VG247.com. So here we go. So this is Hamaguchi, quote from that uh, interview that he did. So it says that we felt at a point at which Red 13 joins the story, and the story is very late on. So we thought, okay, 
if we're going to have him as a full character and try to get the player to enjoy his character development arc and growth as a character through that, it's not really enough time to do that at the end of basically the first part. So this is talking about having Red 13 as a guest character in the party, okay? So it says, we thought the best way to have him evolved would be as a guest character. Normally throughout the game, you'll be playing as a three-man party or a three-person party, but you will have him as a guest character that, f- and he fights along with you during the last part of the story. He'll be using all of his old, uh, really nostalgic moves, and you'll see that we felt the best way of showing him off as a character and who he is is by doing this it this way. Uh, we, sorry, that's why we felt that this was the best way to include him. So, we talked about this in a previous episode. We pretty much thought this is what we were going to get. He was going to be in the game as a guest character and not be playable um, in the party. I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to issue him any commands like we can with the summons, but like in that sort of way, probably not. It would be interesting. It would be interesting, but I don't think so. I don't but they think did so. comment about his collar. So he doesn't have a hairpin now. He attacks with the collar. Right, well, his the material goes in the too. collar, right? So it gives him yeah, power, yeah. basically. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, we'll we'll have to see. But I'm I'm happy that he's in that he's in the game. Like I'm just really happy that we're gonna see him, and um, I think yeah, that sure. it's something for us to look forward to in the other parts. Oh yeah, because you know? at the start of part two, after Nibelheim uh, flashback is done. We can uh, go straight into the battle with uh, Barrett, Red 13, Tifa, Aerith, Cloud, and I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. We've already got four characters, guys. You know, we got Cloud, Barrett, Tifa, and Aerith. Aerith is sticking around a lot more in this game because we're getting a huge amount of backstory for her. I'm hoping, I'm pretty sure, because we're spending so much more time and it's going to be, you know, you're going to be using these these party members in battle and learning them over time and i i understand that you know adding another one in and then but changing his story so that he was in he would be in the party right at the beginning of the game like doesn't make any sense in the context of the story even in uh at the half point they would have changed so many parts of the story that's what's destroy everything and then the, the fans oh my gosh imagine yeah yeah no, i mean people don't. are disappointed that this is happening and people are like on the internet well i'm canceling my pre-order i'm like all right well yeah if that's what you want to be like then whatever i mean there's no changing those people's minds right no, like they've no. already made the decision so that's Usually fine no, but no i, I i'm totally okay with this i think that it's a good fit for him in this part yeah, of the game of course so. yeah if we can control him like a summon though like that would be so that would cool. be awesome yeah definitely I don't mean being able to switch to him like nah, in party. Nah. Just I mean nah. issuing him some commands. Yeah, like like a summon, but not summoned. <laughs> like when we played fifteen, what's her name? She joins you, uh, Aranea. Aranea. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm pretty sure that she gets an HP bar and she joins, but it shows up on the screen like the UI, and you can yep. actually use her and issue her commands and stuff, right? So it's yeah. probably going to be like that. I'm hoping. I hope so, and if not, it's cool too because what I think is uh, is a nice side effect. He'll appear much more mysterious if he is mm-hmm. not playable, and he's yeah. also uh, awesome in battle. That then we'll have such a uh, like an, an an interesting impression of him 
not exactly like Sephiroth, but we see him, see him uh, kick ass, and we can play uh, play as him, and then it's it's kind of a different different relationship between player and and character, because when you can play the character well, yet yeah, then you are the character, so to speak. Yes. But here it's it's you're a little bit more detached, and he is also already mysterious when you first meet him. Yeah. But that's uh, that's, that's I think there's a pretty cool dynamic that could ensue there. There's Looking not enough to time to spend with his story. They want to no, flesh it out no. and give him the limelight, right? Like, yeah, that he needs, and that's totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. We're gonna be spending so much time and getting so much story, hopefully, with Tifa and Aerith and Barrett and even like Jesse Biggs and Wedge and other members of Avalanche that they're probably gonna add in. Like, where are they mm-hmm. gonna fit him into? giving us all that time to make it viable. Like, I just, I think it's the right choice. I think so too, yeah. And what was, what was also interesting is that in 2010, when I started with my Final Fantasy VII Remake videos, the first one was uh, how to split up the story into different mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And I also decided there to split after the escape of Midgar, which lead me, led me already then to the conclusion that, well, Red 13 will be joining in the last two, three hours or something. Yeah. So he has to be a guest character or else it wouldn't work. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that I was, I was right. And this also led me to be prepared for this. So I'm not at all disappointed. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next article, it looks like Nomura uh, was talking about the characters from the compilation not appearing in the game. So he said, no characters from it appear in this game, but certain elements from it are touched upon in a certain way. Moreover, it's not part of compilation of Final Fantasy VII, but there are characters from Nojima's side story novel, Final Fantasy VII, The Kids Are All Right, who do appear in the game. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one, because as far as I, I haven't read it, but uh, as far as I know, there are a few characters that... Um, I think appear in in Midgar or have ties to Midgar, and this is actually not part of the compilation, at least not officially. Yeah. So that's probably why they can include it, and it's also Nojima's work. So yeah. um, I'm also thinking of a maiden who travels the planet. I think that's also just a side story by um, Nojima, not canon to the compilation. Yeah. So maybe in the second part we can, uh, they might work in parts of that story or. Yeah, maybe not not even part two, maybe in, in part three makes more sense, I think. Because mm-hmm. it's it's after Aerith's death and how she travels through the planet and meets Avalanche members again and stuff. Yeah. I haven't read it either, but uh, synopsis, I think. So it's that's kind kind of interesting. But more interesting is that no compilation characters will appear that haven't been appeared in or that didn't appear in the original. So no Angeal, no Genesis. Yeah. No uh what's her face is uh Shalua and mm-hmm. the other way uh, her uh s- little sister and the uh I forget. Uh, what they called it? The Tzviets? I haven't played I these think. games in so long. Yeah, Dirt of Cerberus, the Tzviets. Apparently. Yeah. But what could happen is just uh mention of them in some log files or I don't know, somewhere on a on a poster. Yeah. Interesting is also Many of you probably have already seen that, but I've pointed it out in my playthrough that uh, one of the first posters or ads you see in uh, the station building is from is the Bonora apple juice. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the uh, 
certain elements from it are touched upon in a certain way I comes from. So the, the, the Bonora apple is a dumb apple that comes from Crisis Core and uh, Genesis is I think was obsessed with them too. <laughs> All, always had a, a dumb apple in his hand and yeah, yeah. But pretty cool that uh, there are some uh, nice little nods to elements of the compilation without an intrusive uh, exactly. So I I really love that. Yeah, I didn't read the novel either, so I'm. This is all new for me, and that's totally fine. Like I'm, I'm open to receiving these new stories and different like characters that are appearing, and that's totally fine. I think as long as what we talked, like we talked about this before, um, on our last a few episodes ago, but we did talk about like just as long as it fits into the story and they're given the time they need, and also it makes sense. Like it's not just to waste time. Uh, to make the game feel longer for the sake of it being long. Yeah, exactly. You know? Also, there was something I read that Square Enix had trademarked Dirge of Cerberus or something like that, so people were, oh, like, right. freaking out thinking that too. they were going to be remaking yeah. that game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I don't think so. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they're just going to release the compilation together as one package once the remake is coming out, and it's just going to be one thing, and it's called Final Fantasy VII Experience or Universe Compilation or something, and you can just buy the whole thing. <laughs> like, I don't, maybe, yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. Or maybe they just need the name for something else. I don't know. Could be. Could be too. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, so we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll be sharing my experiences at the KuboCon Final Fantasy VII Remake launch party event in Toronto, which happened last weekend, where I got to meet John Bentley, the voice actor for Barrett in the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And also my experience at the Final Fantasy VII Distant Worlds Orchestra performance, which happened um, on sat- this past Saturday. And also I'll share some interviews with some of the people that I met at the events. All that and more after this. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Kairosis, and welcome back to episode 9 of the Reunion of Final Fantasy VII Remake podcast. I am joined once again by my host, Viz, today. Hello again. So, I am going to be sharing my experience at the KuboCon uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake launch event that happened in Toronto uh, last week. Yeah, so basically, I snagged a premium entry bracelet for the event, which included an awesome loot bag, and uh, which had some exclusive uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, KuboCon loot inside. Um, and I was able to actually enter the event a half an hour before um, other people. So I, I basically um, went in and I, and I met some of the people who were also in the events uh, that also had the VIP bracelets. Uh, so it was like in a conference room, but they had it set up. It was so beautiful. They had like uh, cocktail tables that were set up um, around with some ambient lighting. They were playing music from the game. They were showing like screenshots and gameplay of the game on like a screen, which was amazing. So I really appreciated mm. like the ambiance, you know, because it was more of like a social gathering than it was I like see, yeah. a convention, you know, which was really awesome. Sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was really great. and. Uh, I just have to say, so like everybody was so welcoming. Okay. So I met some pretty incredible people. I made some new friends um, and everybody was so accepting towards me and the community. 
so it was so it was such an amazing experience to meet everybody and I got to meet some amazing Final Fantasy 7 fans obviously and cosplayers um and I also got to meet Alex the creator of Kupalcon and his wife Natalie so uh what happened was so I went in and Alex actually came to me so because I was wearing the podcast um t-shirt so we had a little chat and unfortunately I wasn't able to actually sit down and record a conversation with John Bentley for the podcast um and Alex had stated that basically you know he had signed um, a bunch of NDAs, so he wasn't able to talk oh, about I certain see. things yeah. about the game because the NDAs hadn't expired yet at that time. Mm-hmm. So basically, oh, I see. Um, yeah, and that that's totally fine. Like I, I understand completely. So I just wanted to uh, kind of just chat with him about uh, his experiences, like basically going to Square Enix, recording, and also his his feeling on being part of such. Uh, an amazing franchise and it's it's so huge you know so for him to be now walking into this role and being this character that's you know there's going to be consecutive episodes uh, or just consecutive parts to this game and just knowing that you know he is now going to be associated with this iconic character like how does it feel you know as mm. as a person and as a fan too because he is a fan of the of the original game so yeah, he is. He played it uh, when it came out, I think. Mm-hmm. So it was an awesome experience. And uh, basically, so it, it happened the same day that PAX East happened. So literally, uh, he did PAX East and then literally got on a plane and flew to Toronto for this launch party uh, for the game. So I thought it was really awesome that he, you know, took the time to do that. And he's so down to earth and super relatable um you can tell that he just loves being this character and being part of the community and uh he did mention soldier first class uh shout out to soldier uh, on stage <laughs> at KupoCon as well which i thought was so it was so awesome like and he just explained like how it was just everybody being together and meeting soldier and meeting all the fans at pax and everybody too at this at this event um it was just kind of surreal you know because there's so much time and energy and work on, on doing the voice work for these characters. And, and you just, it's like, you don't, I guess it doesn't hit you until this part of the cycle, you know, like mm. think how many years it took them to do all of this stuff. And then, you know, Square Enix developing the game. And then this is the point we're at, like the game is coming out in a month, you know, and then you could just tell like how appreciative he was of everybody just taking the time out to, meet him and be there and uh yeah so it was quite incredible so i did get a chance to actually talk to some amazing cosplayers actually at the event so uh lady serenity uh daru chai cosplay and nadala and they were all longtime Final fantasy 7 fans and we talked a little bit about what they're looking forward to the most in the remake and uh they gave me the scoop on who their favorite Final Fantasy 7 characters are so uh here's the exclusive interview What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the reunion of Final Fantasy 7 remake podcast I'm your host Kairosis and I'm at a very special event today I am at the KupoCon Final Fantasy 7 remake launch party in Toronto and I have some incredible cosplayers here with me today I have Lady Serenity 
Daruchai Cosplay, and Natala. So guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I just wanted to ask you a few questions about the remake. So going to Lady Serenity first, uh, what are you looking forward to the most in the Final Fantasy VII remake? Updated music for sure, and the graphics, 100%. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> No doubt. Same with me. I played the game when I was super young and just to be able to kind of relive that experience again in high definition on my PS4 Pro, on my 4K TV. Let's be honest, I can't wait for April 10th. All right. And we're going to Dario Chai. So what are you looking forward to the most in the Final Fantasy VII Remake? That's kind of tough, but if I had to really pick something, it would mostly be like I'm a huge fan of like really in-depth characters and stuff like that so I know they're adding a lot to like put more depth into the game so it's really just overall that is what I'm most looking forward to is just kind of expanding upon what's already been built in a more detailed way. I totally agree with that. I love how they are going back to the original characters and fleshing them out a little bit more and we're getting to spend more time with some of the characters that we didn't really get to spend that much time with in the original. So I totally appreciate that response. And over to Natala. So what are you looking forward to for the remake? There's a lot I'm looking forward to. I know they're expanding Midgar, which will be really cool, especially with all the spinoffs. Hopefully we get to see some of that. But I, I'm very excited for Sephiroth. I know that um, in, the, in the original, he um, didn't have as much dialogue, and they seem to have been including a lot of that. So I'm very excited to see what else they're going to flesh out with him. Yeah, I totally agree with you, especially from what we've seen in the Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, trailers. It looks like we're going to get uh, even more presence with Sephiroth for the remake. So I can't wait to see where they're going to take that story with Sephiroth. All right, guys, so I'm dying to know. Lady Serenity, who's your favorite Final Fantasy VII character? Barrett, 100%. I love his sass. His sass is, like, the best throughout the whole entire game. I love him so much. Me too. He has some of the best one-liners in the game, if, you know, in my own opinion. <laughs> he does have the best one-liners, 100%. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and also uh, the banter between him and Cloud in the remake yes. as well that they've shown. It looks like they're really going to play on that, so I appreciate that. And Daru Chai. So who do you, uh, sorry, who's your favorite Final Fantasy VII character? Um, definitely, definitely Tifa. Um, I was actually talking to my friends about it the other night because we got here early for the event and we're hanging out and stuff. And I was, you know, we were kind of you know, being nerds and discussing stuff. And, you know, for me, Tifa, I love that she's a character. Women in media aren't often allowed to be both vulnerable and strong at the same time. And yes, but she's also very vulnerable and that's okay. And women can be both and we are both. And that's still amazing. You know what I mean? And I really think she's a very realistic character that, you know, we should have more like her. So definitely Tifa is my favorite for sure. I totally appreciate that response. And I totally agree with you. When we look back on the original that came out in 1997, think about how groundbreaking that story was for that time. And looking at everything that's happening in the world right now, it's so applicable to everything that's happening in the world right now. So I can't wait to uh, see what they do with Tifa as a character in the remake. All right, and over to uh, Natala as well. So who is your favorite Final Fantasy VII character? I think for me, I'd have to say Aerith. I think her demeanor is very interesting in contrast to the other characters. She's very soft, but she's also very strong as well. And seeing that she has, yeah, sassy. Sassy, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and seeing how she has all this on her shoulders and she's still able to just be true to self is very great. 
I love that answer as well. I love Aerith as a character, and I think from what we've seen so far with the remake, we're gonna get a lot of time with Aerith, and I hope that we get a lot more focus on her backstory um, in the remake, and from what we've seen, I think that that's exactly what we're gonna get. So I just want to say thank you so much to the three of you for joining me today. <laughs> and thank you so much. And uh, yeah, all the best to you guys. And I wish you a um, great evening. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Viz. So I really want to know. So what are you looking forward to the most in the Final Fantasy VII remake? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be real. Uh, there are a few things that I'm looking forward to most. Uh, one of them is new content and new systems, like everything that's not in the original, mm -hmm. like the added side quests, the added uh, storylines, like the, the the avalanche mission we saw in one of the trailers. Um, also, the, the new systems, which we've got a glimpse of in demo. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things I'm looking most forward to because this is new. This is not threading, uh, treading uh, known ground. Mm -hmm. It's something completely new. And also how the battle system experience will grow. Like it, it, it was also pretty cool, already pretty cool in uh, in the demo, but it will evolve over time. We get to, to learn new systems, new combinations of uh, different tactics, uh, new, mo new, new monsters, new strategies different characters switching between them, different setups and everything. It's really looking forward to how it how it grows throughout the game until the end. And of course, equipment and material. Material system is the meat of uh, of Final Fantasy VII, of the, the battle system. And I so love to experiment with uh, different combinations and and setups and uh, try new things and Roman material, mm -hmm. and I hope they will still uh, duplicate after being mastered. Maybe it's in, maybe it's not. But yeah, it was so much fun in the original, so I hope this will be kind of the same effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said before, the soundtrack, I'm in love with the soundtrack so far, and I can't wait to hear all the other tracks, be it new or, or, or old. So Especially all the battle tracks of the different uh, field tracks everywhere. And I've heard that uh, the battle track against Airbuster is super awesome. Mm -hmm. I really, I'm really, i looking forward to hearing that. Mm -hmm. So it's also a boss battle. And if uh, the Scorpion Sentinel is any indication, this one will be epic. Yeah. <laughs> Double epic. Yeah. And the soundtrack is also something, as soon as it's out fully, the full soundtrack, it's, you can be sure I will be using that to listen to while working mm -hmm. on future video content. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I'm just really looking forward to actually going back into this world and spending more time with these amazing characters that I just love. Like, I love these characters so much. I just can't wait to sit down and see what they, to see what Square Enix they've put into this game like we've already seen some of it in the demo but just to yeah. be able to see um just all of that and how they fleshed it out i just can't wait of course all the character interactions because many of them will be new and maybe even new uh choices mm -hmm. dialogue choices that they've been confirmed dialogue choices will be there and there's also interactions between uh Characters that haven't been interacting much, like Aerith and Barrett, when they finally meet. 
and Barrett and Red. I love their interactions in the in the prison cell in the original, and I'm so looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So a huge shout out to Lady Serenity, Daru Chai, and Natala for taking the time to chat with me during the event. It was so much fun getting to discuss the remake with other people and seeing how huge and amazing this Final Fantasy VII community really is. And it was a hugely uh, humbling experience for me that I know that I'll, uh, I won't forget. So if you want to check out uh, Brian, Lady Serenity, Dara Chai, or Natala, you can check out the description um, where I usually post all of the information, like, for example, their socials, so you can check them out. You can like, subscribe to them, chat, be friends, whatever you guys are into, um, so you can check the details for the episode for all that information. All right, so this past Saturday was my birthday, and I had the amazing opportunity to be able to go to the Final Fantasy VII uh, Distant Worlds performance in Montreal. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I went about three or four years ago, but it wasn't just focused on Final Fantasy VII. It was kind of like a broad range of um, performances from the multiple uh, Final Fantasy games. So I really appreciated that they took the time to really focus on the uh, music from Seven. Uh, as the, you know, the remake is so close to coming out. So I was really looking forward to this. Um, I was hoping that they were going to play some exclusive Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake music. They didn't. I Aww. was bummed. I was really bummed. And then Arnie Roth is the conductor and he is mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. You should see like, oh, honestly, anyway, but <laughs> he did mention that, uh, he was like, oh, well, you're going to get a surprise. So I was thinking like, oh my gosh, we're going to get an unreleased track performance. <laughs> um, but we didn't, we didn't get it. So, which is unfortunate, but I'm, I, I totally understand why, honestly, I, I do. Like, they're, they're just not going to do it right now, especially to the games coming out so soon. And also there is a Final Fantasy VII remake orchestra tour that they're starting in L.A., I think it's the week the game comes out or the week after. I can't remember, yeah. but it's coming up and I, I'm sure that they're preparing for that, but also they don't want to spoil some of that. You know what I mean? So for those yeah, people, sure. um, so it was amazing. Um, the scenes that they were showing from the remake were actually old. So I was kind of surprised because I was like, wow, the game has come so far since oh, like, it has, 2015 yeah. <laughs> even. And they were showing like, scenes that were in the 2015 e3 trailer and i was watching it while they were playing the music because they played the battle theme they played the main theme um Mm -hmm. they played like cosmo canyon uh the chocobo theme (laughs) they played (laughs) Wing angel so like and they showed scenes from the from the remake but i just was watching it on the screen and um I was with my friend. They're like, oh, I can't wait that game. Like it's so it looks so good. And I'm like, you don't even know. I'm like, these scenes are old. The game has been updated Mm. since then, you know, so it's like not really giving um, like an authentic look at, I guess, what the game actually looks like now. So but that's okay. I guess what happened was they just didn't have time to update it. So it still gives you the idea of like what it's going to sort of be. But anyway, they they played Aerith theme, Aerith theme and Aerith. Sorry, they played Aerith theme. (laughs) (laughs) And I like cried like a baby. Aww. I'm just like bawling my eyes out. I'm just like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. It my really friends, hits home, yeah. yeah. My friends just like looking at me like, like, are you for real? Like, is this like, is <laughs> is this happening right now? Like, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, 
like an auditorium with like 5,000 people and you're crying. Like anyway, it was, it was just, it was so good. And it reminded me when you got choked up from watching the trailer and I'm just like, I was just like, I feel you, man. I feel you. Like if you were there, you'd understand, honestly. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And just being around so many people who love seven so much and actually like you can talk to them about this stuff. Like I don't talk to anybody, but I talk to it about the game with you. And I talk mm-hmm. about it with people online that are part of our Discord. But, you know, just talking to regular people out in the world, like, they don't it's know. Different. It's different. Yeah. yeah. So it was such an amazing opportunity. And I gave out a bunch of stickers to people and just told them to check out the podcast. So, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Cool. An amazing yeah. birthday. Like, I, it, it yeah. was unforgettable. Unforgettable. Super. Mm-hmm. So PAX East happened and it looked like it was a huge success again this year, a huge success for Square Enix and the Final Fantasy VII Remake team. So it looks like everybody had an incredible time there. I was super jealous of everybody that got to go. I wasn't able to attend this year, really hoping that one of us will be able to make it in the future, maybe for next year. Who knows how many parts we're getting? Who knows (laughs) how many years between development uh, it's going to be? We're thinking probably two years to between each part but um i'm really hoping that i'll be able to make it to the next one to um just just talk with people in the community as well at that event and record them for the podcast so we can have you know people um in the community um involved in the creation of of the podcast so it was amazing to watch soldier first class there as well and i really i watched all of his videos and updates that he gave throughout the whole process and uh it was it was amazing. So shout out to you, Soldier, also for your amazing content and you, Viz, continuing with your videos and all your content that you're making on a regular basis. You're so busy. Oh. Honestly, I I don't envy you. Like I'm busy enough doing this <laughs> yeah. and everything else that I'm trying to do um, and stay on top of. So really appreciate it. Yeah, it takes a lot of time, and I'm still severely behind. So I'm trying to get all the. Uh, interesting information out mm-hmm. before uh, the remake drops because most of of the, the backlog will become obsolete once the remake drops so i mm-hmm. want to get it out as fast as possible somehow yeah. if i just have to post uh, images on twitter or something <laughs> i totally hear you and also yeah. like i took so many pictures at the events like that i went to so i'm trying to gradually like just just dribble out, trickle out more information um, and post the pictures and everything. So it's, it's a process and uh, I totally understand, but you know what? Like just, just release it and we'll love it. So, you know, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I have a little note here that says candy bar DLC. We didn't talk about this that much, but uh, yeah, I just, it happened. It happened. Somebody trolled everybody online and basically like doctored the picture that showed that there was no stock left for any of the bangles <laughs> and stuff. And yeah. people thought it was real. So people were freaking out and emailed mm. the the um, the candy bar company asking them. They're like, no, we still have stock for the. Anyway, it was just, uh, I just, I hate it yeah. when this happens. Honestly, it's not even available yeah. in Canada. Like I can't even participate no, in this. just US. I have to like get one of my US friends to go buy a bunch of Butterfingers for me so I can have this stuff. But honestly, I just, I'm fine without it. I think it's going to be fine. 
I'd love to have the Tifa theme, but I have an inkling that it will be available on the PSN store uh, exactly. sooner or later. Yeah. So I'll just wait until it's available there and then pay two, three bucks. I don't really care. Yeah. I just want that. Yeah, Looks like amazing. 99 cents or $1.99. Like, that's fine. I'll buy it. Yeah. Also, for downloading the demo, we're going to get a theme for that too, I think, yeah, in sure. May for free. So that's yeah, really cool. Isn't it the one with the cast sitting it on the end of the highway? Yeah. I think it's that one, yeah. Yeah, it is. The one is awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah. All right, guys. So I just want to go ahead and remind everybody about the amazing giveaway that we are doing. We are giving away a physical deluxe edition of the Final Fantasy VII Remake to one lucky listener. What you have to do is subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms that you use to listen to podcasts with. Also, write us a text review and leave us a five-star rating. So if you're using a podcast app or platform that doesn't allow you to leave text reviews, what you can do, you can go on over to our YouTube channel for the podcast and just write a comment on any of our videos that are posted for our episodes and uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And I will uh, take that as your entry for the giveaway. So the draw is going to be happening really soon. It's the uh, week that the game comes out, so the week of April 6th. So make sure that you guys tune in to see if you're the lucky winner. And I'll also reach out to you on uh, your social media accounts as well um, if you are the lucky winner. So not too much longer. It looks like we're only going to have uh, how many more episodes, Viz? It looks like two or three more episodes until the game is out. So uh, Two at most, I mm-hmm. think. It's... Uh... One, yeah, two episodes, and then the remake drops. Mm-hmm. Then uh, three, the third from now on, we'll have our first experience with the remake and can yeah. talk about this a little. Oh bit. yeah, it's gonna be so awesome. And also, we'll discuss plans, um, what we're gonna do basically to celebrate the launch of the game. So, Viz and I yeah, are right. kind of discussing our plans for that. So, you guys will hopefully have more information about that soon. So. All right, guys, so if you have any ideas for things that we uh, can cover in our future episodes, you can write us at thereunionpodcast at gmail.com, thereunionpodcast at gmail.com, or you can join our Discord server and write them in our suggested topics or questions channels. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have a Twitter account. It's at reunion underscore podcast. We also have a Facebook page. It's also at reunion underscore podcast. And we do have a YouTube channel where we post our episodes. It's The Reunion Podcast as well. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We had a lot to cover. It's been a long one once again. But you know what? Mm. We really appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to the very end. All right. So this is Kai. I'm signing off. Have a great night, guys. Wish you all the best. Stay safe and take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.